Fire Tribe, where you at? I hope you're ready, rising from the ashes and it's getting heavy Conspiracies, we got plenty and some are scary From aliens to Bigfoot, extraordinary, yeah, yeah Danunaki Dan and the homie Romy I was bugging out, all the crazy things he showed me Jesus bloodlines to the stars in the skies Always a good time, vibing with the fire tribe Hey, So wake up, wake up, get it cracking Rise out the ashes, I know you got a passion Kick off the combo with theories, many conspiracies Other dimensions, plenty ancient history Fire tribe, where you at? Wake up we about to get into it, I know you can't get enough At home, at work, it don't matter, turn it up Rising from the ashes, you know what's up Ay. Uh, Rising from the ashes Yo, what's happening? Welcome to Rising From the ashes Jesus. I'm Danny Naki Dan and <laughs> I'm not homie Romy. <laughs> nice pause. Nice pause. Very good theater man. Very good theater. <laughs> I'm a theater man. Bravo. Uh, standing applause. <laughs> Bravo, I say. Good time. Have you been tartared? So, have you been covered in enough tartar sauce yet? Are you chilling or what? Tarred and feathered. <laughs> Tartarians and feathered. I don't know. Ooh, he's gonna fly away into the. About? I don't know, man. Just out here, just trying to get, <laughs> just trying to connect the puzzle pieces after we're talking to all these amazing people. Oh yeah. So today on the show we have Randy. The, the ghost, ghost of, of Tartaria. Tartaria. He's been on My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. crazy. And I don't know what else. <laughs> that's where, <laughs> that's where I heard him at. He got a hold of us and said, hey, guys, I like your podcast. I would love to come on and uh, talk to you guys about Tartaria. And I said, yeah, buddy, let's do it. Dude, he's a he's he's and, a hoot. Uh, he's a f- full energy, very very um, smart. Has you know, he's one of those humans that you can just kind of ask a question and he'll just he'll just go go. And and he has a lot of cool information. You know, like he uh, he definitely has some dope uh, angles that he brings in. I like it. Yeah, we lost you for a second. You might have to do that part again. Oh. It was such yeah, a in-the-moment thing. I, you, I, you bleeped out. Um, I was saying that Randy, the ghost of Tartaria, is a sweet man who's got some sweet old <laughs> brains. He's got a lot of information for us, man. You can ask him a question. He'll talk for a long time, and then he'll bring it around to Tartaria again. He's laying it down. Laying it thick, he's doing it up, and he's doing it quick. How Randy, the ghost of Tartaria. The song was great, man. I, it reminded me of uh, Sunday morning cartoons. <laughs> just like a little ghost in the back. Yeah, just like Randy, it's a bill on the hill, you know. <laughs> oh man, don't I? I literally love. Schoolhouse Rock. I grew up on that. That's yeah, Schoolhouse Rock. That's what it is. So yeah. good. Scooby Doo. 
Scooby Doo Doo. Scooby Doo. That was good, Scooby-Doo. man. Roro Reggie. <laughs> well, I don't know about this, guys. No, that's. Uh, oh, that's the other one. Um, maybe we should just go back and. Uh, no, damn it. I'm I'm done. I was gonna try and do Shaggy, like trying to get the fuck out of there. He's like, "You guys, oh, I'm, I'm hella stoned. I don't know if I should be here right now." <laughs> like Zoic Scoob, <laughs> Zoics, Zoics, guys, let's go back and get a sandwich. Damn it, I'm so terrible. I'm better at the other one. Oh man, well if you guys have heard my Yoda impression, then. uh you know that I'm not very good at impressions either. So <laughs> I can do the uh, no. Yogi Bear and um, uh, Boo Boo. Hey, Boo Boo. Hey, Boo Boo. Want to go get us another picnic basket? Oh, well, I don't know, Yogi. Uh, the Park Ranger won't be very uh, pleased if we go steal another picnic basket. Oh, Boo Boo, shut your little bear mouth. <laughs> You want to grow up to be a big, strong bear like me, Boo-Boo? <laughs> uh, hey, Boo-Boo. Let me tell you something. <laughs> dude, uh, classic, all, real cartoons. Bad. Yeah, dude. Uh, Hanna-Barbera, man. Flintstones and shit. Jesus. Probably all mind control. Who knows? <laughs> oh, shit, man. See? Uh, dinosaurs, oh, the future, flying, <laughs> flying chips, you know. Oh, holy shit. You just ruined all that for me. Oh, did I? Yeah, just how I ruined Disney for you. Or I didn't. (laughs) I have. I stopped digging into Walt because um, except for the fact that I did hear somewhere and I haven't looked into it yet because I want it to be true because it's fucking crazy and would tie in more deeper into the theories, but that he's going to be uncryogenically frozen soon. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it's like the birth of the Antichrist. (laughs) (laughs) Just in time as Disney has become like the biggest media conglomerate on Earth. It's like, yeah, Disney will rule the world. Yeah. Um, Makes me really sad now all those times that I put Mickey Mouse on the ballot box. When I just wrote in the name of who I wanted to vote for, because all the you manifested it. I put Mickey Mouse, and now look at what's happening, dude. Fuck. Wow, you really manifested fault. him back into power. I'm sorry. Him I'm and all of his gyrating hips as he sails a boat. It's like, your hips are moving a little too much for my liking, Mickey. Why are you humping the air These like that? don't lie. <laughs> whoop, whoop. <laughs> uh, Can you do some Shakira song, song for me? These hips don't lie? You know that? Um. His hips don't lie, and I'm starting to feel bold. When the ball in the flat I'm gonna go up there on a magic carpet in Aladdin. I'm gonna take it down to the 33rd parallel walk. We're gonna take some. Okay, no, I'm not gonna. I was actually gonna go into some weird shit, uh, and we're not because I'm not gonna talk about what happens underground okay. at the underground tunnels of Disneyland that are ran on the 33rd parallel. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, so anyways, with Randy Tartaria today, Randy, the ghost of Tartaria, we get into just everything Tartaria and kind of talk about, you know, the mainstream Tartarian 
theme. Yes. Theory, I guess you theory. could say. We kind of just go all over the place with it, you know, and try to cover everything. It's like a little grounding uh, Tartaria theme. So that way, when we talk to Michelle Gibson soon, yes. uh, we have uh, we have that already situated, you know. So also, I'm going to be adding uh, my interview I did with Andy from the Deep Share about my box saga, Tartaria breakdown and i'm gonna put it on um the show as a bonus episode for people to check out while we're doing tartaria month so they can uh check out my perspective of tartaria but uh what you got for us today in uh Man, you didn't do none of the letters, man. We used to—I usually do the drum beat, and you be doing the letters. News, RFTA news, <laughs> news you can trust. Angel dust. We're the good guys, <laughs> not the other ones. So here's the deal, okay? Yeah. Lonicara tartarica. Oh, what's that, dude? Latin for <laughs> I'm alone in Tartaria? <laughs> no, you freaking stupid idiot. It's called, <laughs> it's uh, Latin oh, for a, spe- a species. I'm a small of- brain, huh? I'm a small brain kook. He's a small brain kook, and you know he's got a poop, and he hasn't done it all day or week because he eats so much chocolate. And no, that's me. I'm eating another bottle. I'm eating another uh, bar. I, I'm halfway into it, and I'm putting like, it away. This where one do you has go trick or treating at, dude? That you get like all these health food chocolate stuff. Like, what neighborhood is like? I go beat up the uh, the hippie kids. Just a bunch of single Karen housewife neighborhood. Hell yeah. I go to the Bay. I go to the areas <laughs> where I'm like, yo, where are these housewives at, man? <laughs> okay. Give me some Anyways. chocolate. Better be huge chocolate. Hugh, I want. Uh, yeah. No, honestly, we should just be giving out heady candies. If you're not handing out heady candies that are uh, made <laughs> with medicinal uh medicinal herbs then get out of my way okay i have no time for you you're doing it wrong i want some of that good good um okay good good yeah all right tell us about that good good listen up this is uh (laughs) um lonis lonis tartarica is a species of honeysuckle known by the common name Tartarian honeysuckle. It is native to Siberia and other parts <laughs> of Eastern Asia. And the majority of this species is found in China. Lonicera tartarica is also known to grow in the Himalayas. However, it is better known in North America as a widespread introduced species and a noxious weed. Honeysuckles are native to temperate zones of both hemispheres. This plant 
is one of several exotic bush honeysuckles presented in North America. It was introduced as an ornamental plant in 1752. It is known across the continent west to Alaska and California, where it easily grows in disturbed habitat. <laughs> Tartarian honey. So basically. <laughs> <laughs> Tartaria, people want to talk about Tartaria being erased from history books, okay? People want to talk about it. It's erased, it's gone. Okay, yes, th- yes, it's it's hidden in there, okay? It is esoteric in its sense. Putin puts out stuff. There, We find maps, okay? It's there. There's plants named after it. You gotta be it. Putin me. I w- <laughs> Cover up that Putin hole. <laughs> you're Putin and Putin. <laughs> you're secreting out of your Putin. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying though? Like it's so this we're we're going we're going hard. Um we're going hard and deep on this tartary and we're leaving no cracks left unfilled here. Like we're we're going to find out what everybody's tripping on the tartaria. Okay? We're having an entire month dedicated to it, which five episodes yeah. of two hours each. It's 10 hours of Tartarian. Eight. Uh, eight episodes? Eight eight episodes plus two bonus shows. So that's 20 hours of, <laughs> yeah, of, of information, guys. Like you, you, we need, like, th- there will be, th- it's going to be great. It's going to be a beautiful. Quiz. There'll be a quiz. Oh shit! We will make a quiz. Mail in your ballots. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun. Yes. Oh, should we do that? Make a quiz. Yeah. Uh, maybe we can. Uh, yeah, we can do it and uh, put it somewhere. How do we? You bleeped we out. Damn it, dude! Why is I always bleeping out? Why am I always bleeping? Um, <clears throat> uh, but something matrix. else I wanted to go into, um, just for fun. Yeah, is funsies. P.T. Barnum. Okay, I was listening to Mark Steves from My Family Thinks I'm Crazy on crazy. the Big Dumb podcast. And uh, he he said something about the Barnum uh, Museum. And and it was like an, a Tartarian building, right? So I, yeah. the, name, the name Barnum like stuck out to me. I went and looked it up on the Googles, and I quickly found out that this guy is deep in some just real weird shady shit like he was he had a very very disturbed relationship with all of his animals uh that he brought around the circuses he would use um uh colored children with deformities as part of his circus acts as freak shows basically right and he was exploiting people exploiting animals he started museums and was just you know he, he he was he was getting tied into the uh, occult real quick right here in the early parts of America. The guy was like fish man, right? And he was sewing fishes to humans and making it look like it was uh-huh. a real thing. Exactly. Yeah. Like they they've made a show on it by now and all this stuff, right? Anyways, so the point I'm getting, like, he's done all these fucking crazy things, right? He's done all this shit. It's terrible. It's bad. Well, this this man. 
at the age of, I, I think it was uh, 78, lands his ass in Congress, right? He was always interested in politics uh-huh. and, and he ran, he was actually the mayor of this town in Connecticut for a while. And, uh, you know, and, and he made his way into Congress. He passed a bill, the anti-contraceptive bill in Connecticut, right? Making it illegal yeah. for women to partake in contraceptives. Now, uh-huh. it's interesting that that he would do that and because he wants more children to be uh to be born, right? No, no, yeah. uh yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. He wants more children to be born because my theory is is that he was he was raping women and sleeping with them oh. and impregnating the the people on the circuses and creating more of the freak shows basically populating his own circus. What the fuck? Think about it, man. He's such a piece oh, of man. crap, dude. He he dude, so dark. I'm sorry to go there, guys. Honestly, I am. Yeah. Uh, the but, circuses uh, pl- play a part too in the Tartarian stuff overall with the world's fairs and stuff like that. They're kind of basically, uh, I guess they're not really circuses, but kind of in a way kind of relates. Yeah. No. The timing of it all kind of plays out, you know, that, that the mud flood, the theory of the mud flood, the 1800s. Uh, mud flood being sometime from 1800 to 1860, right? Is when they say there yeah. was the last mud flood. So that's what they, th- that's when they think the mud flood happened was early 1800s is when all this mud covered up everything. Yes. Yeah. Huh. Or that it was this timing of that the mud covered up certain parts. And then that was also the re inhabiting. The repopulation time, the time to repopulate. Yeah. So they were spending that those decades doing that, and so traveling around a lot, you know, and um, that we know all know about the orphan trains. We've talked about that before. That was all in the same time yeah. period. Um, and then Henry Ford then was burning all of the railroad tracks after that. So you know they yeah. use the railroad tracks to get everybody everywhere, and then they cover up the railroad tracks, which may have been also Tartarian. Uh, technology as well, um, mm. you know, part of the ether energy. <clears throat> uh, well, I thought they got like Chinese people to come build all the railroad tracks. Yeah, well, that's a likely story, isn't it? Okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> all right. And they're also having you know Turkish corn hens and with the Native Americans on a pleasant Thanksgiving uh, <clears throat> uh, dinner. Uh, right, because that's the mainstream narrative there. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to be. I was being facetious and being an asshole, well, and I do apologize. You bleeped out for a second, so I didn't quite hear you, everything you said. So that's oh. why I was like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> sure." I also think I yeah, said half of the sentence. Oh <laughs> uh, shit! Uh, shit, Randy. The ghost, the ghost of Tartaria. Tartaria. Uh, this is a good episode. Just a, a little baseline action here. Uh, we go into many different aspects of the Tartarian world uh, and just kind of do an overall synopsis. Um, uh, some of the things that we don't really cover is like the mud flood itself and 
you know, like the incubators and the, and the indoctrination stuff. Uh, we talk a lot about the tech and stuff like that. And, uh, um, so, uh, I'm sure we'll get there with one of our other guests. So stay tuned for that. I'm sure Michelle Gibson will have something to say about those things. Um, so we'll look forward to I'm talking shaking to in my boots week. about that one, brother. Yeah. I'm really interested in asking her like how the ley lines are connected because I heard I think on one show she said that there are there's geometrical patterns in the way that they built these cities. And I'm interested to hear more about that aspect. Um, as well as some of the other Tartarian stuff going on, you know. Uh so that should be interesting, man. Uh, you got anything else for us today, Roman? Nope. I'm done. All right. Well, let's get into Randy, the ghost, the of, ghost Tartaria. of Tartaria. Wake, Wake the, fuck the fuck up, you Tartarian up. motherfuckers. You Tartarian mugs. Here we go. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. We are rising from the ashes. And we, as the Fire Tribe, will rise. Awaken our eyes beyond what is seemingly laid upon us. to the further ends of our cosmic understanding. If you enjoy our show and you like the content that we create, make sure to like and subscribe. Share with your friends. Hello, everybody. Yes, please, please, please do. Also, follow us on Instagram at RFTA Podcast. If you have any questions or concerns, you can email us at risingftashes at yahoo.com. We are exclusively on Alt Media United. Check it out, altmediaunited.com forward slash rising from the ashes. We love you all so much. Thank you for listening to our show. From the ashes, I'm Daniel Naki And I Dan. am the homie Romy. How the fuck are you doing, sir? What's up, man? What's good in the well, hood, we're homie? we're finally doing it. We're finally getting down to the deep, dirty um, truth, uh, or uh, at least some observational understandings from some pure intuition and goodness oh, yeah. about Tartaria. 
Tartaria. So we have for you on the show today, the Tartarian Space Ghost, Randy. How's it going, Randy? Uh, it's going pretty well, guys. How are you? Good. We're chilling, <laughs> man. Right on. How's life down there on the West Coast? Uh, you know, Hectic? Bro. Yeah. You know, yeah, are you able to go outside without like uh, sticking your head up your bum or <laughs> any uh, of that? Well, you know, <laughs> walking to the grocery store without it, or I prefer rectal cranium and in, inversion all the time <laughs> over the masks, um, right? Right. I feel yeah. you. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Uh, dude. But it, it's okay. It works for me because I can see through the shit. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Way to be. Absolutely. <laughs> And you know what? If you're going to wade through it, at least you could see through it too, right? <laughs> going right, to wade yeah. through it. Uh, that is, yeah, that's facts. Um, they're, they're, they were giving out um, free vaccines so, today at Walmart. Beautiful. Oh, really? Man, I saw the pot for shots, guys. Like, what's up with that? You guys pot getting, for shots? Yeah, you guys getting J's out there for the for the jab? Or they're what? trying to get the stoners <laughs> to get that's it. That's seeing. beautiful. What the fuck? <laughs> Are you guys not seeing those ads on Facebook out there or what? Uh, they, no. Oh, no, no. they're popping up out here in the Midwest. So we're we're oh, we're wow. taking uh taking solace in the fact that we don't have anything legalized, unfortunately, out here. So. I wonder if that's some sort of <laughs> control. We won't be getting bribed stuff. in that fashion. It's interesting. I, oh, it's brutal, yeah, isn't it? What the fuck? I haven't heard of yeah, that. Pot pot for shots, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. What do you call it? What do you mean mind altering? <laughs> <laughs> whatever <laughs> uh so right. so randy give us a little bit of background on uh, yourself and uh how you got into this whole uh tartaria subject oh man you know i think the the deciding factor uh ultimately boils down to uh zeitgeist the movie I think if if we're to take Great it back movie. to an absolute beginning, I think being shown that that film probably just like flipped my mind into into a different state of uh, state of thought there, and you know that tied a lot of the the esoteric side of of what religion is and astrology and that sort of thing into the power structure and kind of just got me thinking about it. And if there's going to be that much manipulation of those type of subjects, well, what's going on with history? You know, why did history always feel like such a hollow subject with so very few deep facts to take a look into. Um, of course, unless you were looking into world wars, which seemed to have plenty of information available. But aside from that, there was nothing that you can get your hands on, you know, nothing that would explain how exactly did the revolution in America happen or how did all these trains of children wind up getting spread all around the world. And where did all the mud come from, you know, and all these other little things that have popped up over the course of the last few years that have started taking a look into. Um, so I guess it's just a, a curious mind, an open mind. And the fact that curiosity and the search for knowledge is trying to be shut down at such a level that it intrigues me even more as to why that is what's really going on. Why, why are you telling so many people to be quiet about so many things? And then denying the information to the rest of the world. There, there's something there and it just, it, it begs for research. It begs for folks like us to get out there on the fringe and bring it up and, you know, have these kind of, uh, basement circle talks, you know, that, that need to be had, like on the, that 70s show, we've got to have these discussions between us and, uh, we've got more friends out there than we think when it comes to these, uh, patterns of thinking and these inquiries. Mm. So that's what I'm here for is to kind of just extend a hand to 
the massive amount of people that are really trying to get together what Tartary is in a nutshell, which is impossible. Um, I mean, that can be anything from uh, the late Jesus Christ to um, Genghis Khan all the way into, you know, I can bring it into the Adams family and what the Adams <laughs> family is as far as, as, as a flip of Tartary onto its head. And we can maybe get into that a little bit later. That's a fun one. Uh, as as far as, you know, looking into different things and seeing symbolism, uh, it's a blatant slap in the face to the people that came before us is what the Adams family is. And we'll we'll dig into that a little. That's a fun That's little tidbit to probably leave on. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and it's it's a, a wealth of information that's out there to be had. It takes a ton of time to dig the stuff up in national archives and things like that. Um, I've made a habit, you know, of just going to thrift sales and things and, and looking for old books that have really kind of nondescript names, things like Main Currents in American Thought by Parrington, Harcourt Brace and Company, which we all know from our textbooks at school is just a massive, you know, provider of propaganda for the children Social engineering in our uh, Prussian, in our Prussian school system. Which is, you know, circa what, 1870. And they figured out how to whip us all in line and make us all good little factory workers. And now that mm-hmm. life is taking some thinking of outside the box in order to uh, succeed or to survive, succeed. really, it's, it, it, right? It's, it's, it's a soul sucker, man, out there every day. It makes me wonder about the moon and all that fun David Weiss oh. stuff. <laughs> we can get into all that later. That's a, that's an epic wormhole. He and Crow have a, a definite uh, conundrum when it comes to, you know, what is really going on out there, but let's focus on the, what's going on on the Here. ground and uh, so the we keep ourselves a little bit uh, we, that's it. We'll keep it down here. We'll let those guys do that stuff up there because they're good at it. <laughs> you know, I've got no qualms or quarrels with anything those guys have going on. Um, I, they're very thorough. And that's what I hope to be uh, to this side of things, to the Tartaria question, to the prehistory that's that's hidden and just kind of denied to us. But at the same time, provided to us through things like Hollywood movies, mm. Um American literature. Mm-hmm. So we are given the information in the form of quote unquote fiction or fact fiction or, you know, fan fiction, they'll call it, or any other number of things that get you to look at it like, oh, it's just a movie. You know, you won't get eaten by a shark at the beach. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Kind of like Jaws, you know, they all tell you when you're a kid, oh, Freddy Krueger, it's just a movie. You know, demons are just movies and things. <laughs> They're None of this is real. Harry Potter, just a movie. No you're such not, thing as magic, you know? You're not being psychically attacked in your dreams through silent EMF waves that are being transmitted at a local harp station? Of course not. No, no, absolutely. And you know what? That thing you sleep with your head next to, that Wi-Fi router, isn't beaming <laughs> negative thoughts into your head in the middle of the night. Or it's not trying oh, to suck out the part of your soul that's like emanating positive frequency. No, no, none of that. We, we can't have that. We're not going to perturb your DNA is to create cancer in your leg for carrying your cell phone around for 15 years. Um, you know, <laughs> we're not going to do that. Never. <laughs> but yeah, then they're um, like, oh, yeah, but if you've been in contact with this, this or this, then call this law office. <laughs> you know, that way we can seems get like you on Tartaria, <laughs> It seems like Tartaria also really connects to the whole Anunnaki thing of the overlords ruling over the class of people. Absolutely. Uh, kind of giving them some knowledge, but not giving them all the knowledge to, so that way they can keep them as their pet slaves. I thought it was the opposite. Um, I th- 
and it's it, the the power struggle. <laughs> you thought we, you thought they were here for I, us. I thought oh. the Tartarian. In my my eyes, the Tartarian civilization was a free energy civilization where they were um, in harmony with Earth's energy system. Therefore, they were more of an enlightened um, society. So it wasn't necessarily like a, you know, we we uh, we deem all of the people that are, you know, quote unquote, you know, normal people of our society. I, my, my envision was that the Tartarian civilization was in fact, um, like a glorious kind of like, um, yeah, you know, that's, that's, that was what I thought, you know, but, but like, like, um, Sir Randy, uh, the, um, space ghost Tartarian, sorry. It's so good. The Tartarian Space Ghost Rando Mysterio, uh, this beautiful sir that we have on our show today, um, said it's like Tartaria is not to be 100% defined just like the mysteries of the moon. So, you know, but for my 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 belief of what I understood about Tartaria was it was kind of like a free energy society that was kind of sharing all of the information and knowledge with its people. But, you know, then again, I could be wrong because I know Dan has the opposite. Well, I think that in a nutshell, that's that's probably as well put as any of us can, uh, you know, put Tartaria in a nutshell. What does it boil down to? A different system of consumption, of energy, of thinking. It was it was a group oriented progress for the greater good kind of thinking. And um, we are just full fledged materialist consumerism, greed, sort of a kind of a almost a blaspheming way of thinking when you look at it from a Tartarian point of view, you know, who had all this free energy and had all these great things and technologies and opportunities to inquire about things, to learn about things, to dive into the alchemy of things. We just don't have that now. What we have are stories. We have folk tales. We have Disney, which pumps out tons and tons of uh, footage of film to influence our children into looking at things a different way. So, uh, definitely the free energy, the uh, higher frequency of thinking, you know, the less less negative louche, you know, going out into the world when when they were in control of things. Um, and it does tie back to architecture when it comes to that, e- that ether energy gathering. So Tartaria defined can also be a period of architecture. It could be a type of architecture spread around the world. Um, and so that's just taking out the the political social side of it. So if we want to just lean more towards the understanding of energy, the um, building style, the architecture, what was really going on in a lot of these, these cities. um, I I definitely think that uh, we're running short on big enough nutshells to put Tartaria in at this point, because it's, (laughs) it's huge. And it ties into the Titanic story. It ties into you know, all of these things in history that were going on, the robber barons, how they took charge. And I think everything up to the point where Standard Oil pretty much took over the, the power structure and, you know, the energy structure of the world. I think everything up to that point was Tartaria, um, you know, and it, it tapered off and there were wars that were put on as covers. This, this War of 1812 situation um, really kind of, I think, was the last throes of the the Tartarian empire, which, um, as you had spoke with, uh, gentlemen about the star forts up there in, uh, in Frisco and 
the earthquake and all of that stuff that happened up there and what was going on there, um, you kind of look at it and you say, okay, well, there was all of this advanced civilization as recently as 1800, you know, we'll say maybe closer to 1900. And that's just in America, in the U S you know? So imagine when you go over to Belfast, you go over to different parts of Germany and Poland, everywhere we carpet bombed in the forties and the thirties. Okay. I mean, everywhere we just laid waste Ugh. and by we, I mean humanity, I'm not pointing out yeah. any specific <laughs> thing, but this is where all of that Tartarian infrastructure was at its finest, yeah. at its richest, aside from what they've shown us in the world's fairs. That's where, you know, a majority of these energy collecting cathedrals and different sorts of uh, cymatic gathering or facilitating um, infrastructure was. Um, you wouldn't run into a city 200 years ago that didn't have a sub-level city, which was cisterns, which was not necessarily sewage because we don't want to get that confused with just pure water flowing through, providing the city with not only um, clean water, but it's also providing the city with a magnetic, an electromagnetic boundary that allows these buildings to function. Um, when you have energy gathering devices, they have to channel that energy down into some sort of a battery, which we know by Baghdad batteries is relatively simple to create. Um, layers of organic and metallic matter often can hold a charge. So we'll just leave that at that and realize that these buildings had underground systems to facilitate this ether energy. So they're drawing it down through all of the wrought iron work and the in the spires, all of the, the copper laid roofing. I mean, who lays roofing in, in copper sheets, you know, doesn't seem like the most cost effective or intelligent thing to do unless you're trying to collect some kind of energy. Um, break it yeah. down into why a lot of these courthouses are going to have uh, a lady holding a staff with the messenger's wings always on, on her head. She'll be holding the staff with the two snakes and the orb at the top. And this is a symbol for Mercury Vortex engine. And this is something mm -hmm. we can get into a little bit further. Um, yeah, what is, what know, is that? Is the what is the Mercury it. Vortex engine? Well, um, if, if you look up on YouTube, you look up just um, Mercury engine. What it is, is it's just a ball of mercury set into a, a container or a bowl. And basically, you apply a light charge to this mercury, and it causes it to spin, creating a rotational force. And as this torsional field builds up in these spires, it's able to channel the electricity downward through the rest of the house and into what's basically a subterranean battery downstairs. Hmm. And what so, is that subterranean battery? What's that look like? Um, let's see if I can pull one up here. Or at least get now, you the roofs. The roofs all are made of like copper or gold or brass wrought or iron something. or brass, right? And you'll see a lot of that. So that in itself is drawing down uh, energy because the the way static electricity works is you have what's called a standing wave, and um, the more you're able to interact, so the more linear footage, the more area, the more space you're able to take up with your conductive. Um, antennae as it were the more you're able to reach up into the sky and spread out an antenna the more inherent static as the wind blows as the weather shifts in the sky you have a difference in electrical charge 
So that difference in electrical charge as a storm may pass over, or as in a lot of pictures, you'll see they were shooting fireworks into the clouds into the sky. Back when they used to do wood carvings, you'll see these carvings and it looks like there's electrical disturbances in these clouds that they're creating by setting off these sulfur fireworks and things like oh. that. So they're creating the atmospheric mm-hmm. processes necessary to bring the energy down to allow their cities to function and to stay lighted and to um, facilitate the heating grates, for example, in some of these quote-unquote gilded age homes. There's no chimney. There's no way for wood to burn mm-hmm. in these quote-unquote furnaces. It's just a copper mm-hmm. plate. That's hooked up via some method. We don't really know because a lot of the stuff was torn out. We can't really go and look at the architecture in its whole, you know. Um, so that's I, I think that that's part of tying into the information about Tartaria release to the public is a little bit distracting, a little bit different. So they're they're kind of leaning on, oh well, they're running everything off of free energy um there's Lost you know for a second. no explanation to the process behind it whatsoever so i've tried to provide a little bit of that to Lost you today you and you know you can look up and it's a, a huge task to dig into library conference congress and try to get into any of this information um so i think that there's a major distraction in pointing at okay tartaria is just free energy it was just you know freedom and and golden age thinking and all of this so they're kind of tying it to a renaissance okay like to the renaissance period so this is their distraction is to point and say no you know the renaissance period is where all of these concepts came up where the idea for a constitution came up um so they're there's tons released to the public to the public rather to distract uh from the real truth. And mm. if you've ever had a chance to look on your free TV, like when you turn on your smart TV and you go to free TV, sometimes there'll be a channel there available called Smithsonian channel. Oh God. And if you pull that up, they, they fly over just about every, every city that would have substantial history to mention. They'll fly over it and they'll mention the most mediocre couple little things about that city, about Milwaukee and Pennsylvania and um, they'll even throw some CGI in to show you how the Hershey factory was built because there are no photos whatsoever of that factory being built. It was built in a time period where we were looking at horse and buggy, where the amount of bricks just in the factory of loan would have facilitated probably three times the world's supply uh, yearly at that time. And so there's just no mathematical way possible that they, that Hershey could have built this town out of red brick and built these factories out of red brick and not just come into this technology and been told basically by the powers that be, hey, we need you to set up shop over here. Got the perfect spot for you. We just dug it out of the mud and, you know, we're going to go ahead and set you up, Mr. Hershey. And all you got to do is build a little ramshackle town to keep your uh, workers. Oh, in. my goodness. So how how old do you think? that these buildings in america are what period do you think that they actually come from that's a great question um the problem with the answer to that is you can go to these buildings and see the placards that are placed on them a vast majority will point you to a time period of between 1800 and 1849 or 1850 um it really kind of depends on the state of the building itself uh, I know that they give a little bit more of a specific date on, say, like the 
the Iowa um, State House. All right, so I'm just going to see if I can pull up when there when the mainstream uh, idea of when it was founded is. So let's see here. Yeah, and they call it a, a Renaissance Revival architecture. And uh, this is going to be kind of a keyword that you're going to see when it comes to what I would consider Tartarian buildings, Renaissance revival architecture. Um, and they call it a 19th century architectural revival style, trying to state that it was um, basically built in the 1800s, between the 17 and 1800s. And um, also they state that there is the same Renaissance architectural style in central it- Italy in the early 15th century. However, mm-hmm. I propose that these styles are one and the same. Um, there's uh, these 15th century um, Renaissance buildings were built in the same time period as the ones we see here in the quote unquote new world um, that are told to be from the 1800s. That's my theory on it. There has been a lot of work done on these places. There, There's a lot of information as far as um renovations they're currently refacing all of the limestone on the capitol building in des moines you know as we speak and it's funny because all of these kind of restorations of all these different little places didn't start really happening until people started talking about it (laughs) as soon as you know people Mm. start talking about well look at the stonework doesn't match down here from what it matches up here so now they're going and refacing all of these uh, city centers and Capitol buildings with, you know, fresh plaster. And I've got tons of pictures on that. I'll have to send them over to you guys as soon as I have a chance. Cause you know, I just, I'm keeping an eye on what I can from where I'm at, you know? Um, and so go ahead. Oh, you know, you know, it's kind of funny about, you know, the flood of mud flood, the mud flood of information that's come out about this Tartarian movement and the hidden history within the last, I'd say, you know, five years is a lot a lot of uh information is being bled through tiktok and so tiktok is like this supposed like chinese tech company um and i have this the kind of like strange conundrum of a feeling that you know they're allowing so much of this information to come into the american um masses so they will actually kind of fuck up the American infrastructure by by exposing a lot of these old ancient truths to the people. So then they'll question their government and then cause more riffraff. What do, what do you guys think about that? You sound like a fucking conspiracy theorist. Damn it. <laughs> it's a conspiracy factist. That's what I like to call myself because every theory that I've that I've really like wished was just a theory I, I've got volumes of information to back it up and it's sketchy uh, um, yeah no, as far as the Chinese oh man as far as oh, the yeah, Chinese feed as, as far as the Chinese feeding into to the whole uh we'll call it tartar tartary hysteria absolutely man there's stuff my son yeah. shows me off of TikTok that blows my mind because it's very relevant very real information that it takes me hours and days to dig up sometimes. And they're just like, boom, let's throw it out on a two minute video. And it's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, maybe I need to hop on TikTok to see what, uh, what information I should be digging harder into, because it does seem to be having the effect of uh, getting some wheels turning on a lot of these renovations for a lot of these buildings and a lot of these demolitions too. So, 
It's so weird. It's so wild. Yeah, intriguing. Um, to connect a little bit of stuff to the box saga, the there was a lady named Akka. She was the like mother of all people, Akka. Um, and that's what academies and academia is named after. Akka. Um, so when you see these academies, they're for learning, but it came from box saga. Well, what's from what's, the base mother figure, the base patriarch of us all? Isn't yeah, that crazy? Yeah. Of all white yeah. people, essentially. I mean, that's what I kind of got from it is, uh, you know, if you have a British, uh, Scottish, maybe not Irish, but British, Scottish lineage, there's a good chance that maybe you were stuck under Helsinki for a couple, you know, thousand oh, years yeah. and <laughs> developed a lot um, of, you know, your different traits and things like that. Also in Box Saga, it says that the the women were the ones that did like math and sciences and that the men were the one that told history. So that's why it's his story. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm finding so many tie backs or or so many tie-ins to box saga that it is, it was transformative for me to hear that, you know, for, for me to, I'm pretty sure that I think I heard you guys just briefly talking about it. Like as soon as, as soon as it was pretty much kind of out there, I think this was probably close to seven or eight months ago, maybe um, might've been one of the first ones you just kind of touched on, or it may have been dangerous world. I don't know. I listen to them all. I like to absorb as much information as yeah. I can. A lot of the time yeah. I'll throw it on two by speed and just, you know, breeze yeah. through my day yeah. with a, a plug in my ear and, and just kind of see what information is out there and what I need to look into and what's different this week than last week. And, you know, lately there hasn't been a whole lot of that, but there has been, like you're saying, a huge, huge rush of TikTok, uh, you know, related things uh, having to do with Tartaria or with hidden history. Absolutely. It's interesting. There's not been a lot, you know, I was just thinking this the other day because I do the same. Some, you know, most days I'm just enthralled in information. I'm like, I need to consume interesting information, esoteric information, occultic information, something. And recently, like within the past like month, there just hasn't been anything that I have caught onto my, you know, spaghetti for. No, What's it's, up? it's been bad. <laughs> it's it's been bad man um it took a nosedive uh we had a really really high vibing summer um you know up until yeah about a month ago and and i'm not sure what happened there but um we've almost as a quote-unquote conspiracy theorist uh consortium uh, have been branded <laughs> and i think we've been um i think we've been uh, echo chambered to such an extent unfortunately that it's it's just uh, a matter of like reaching out on other platforms, which is difficult because if you try to reach out on something like Facebook, you're going to have a problem of being labeled in with a specific group and being put on some form of advertising or echo chamber list. (laughs) Whereas, you know, anybody that receives your posts is, is going to be of a like mind. And so you're not going to be able to spread it out anywhere and see what other information has been out there. Um, There've been a couple of, really really key pieces of uh information that i've gathered up from a couple places on youtube which is pretty rare um but it's only been in the last couple months and i think it's because they're trying to compete with tiktok's influx of information Mm. on the tartaria subject Mm -hmm. so i'm not sure if these are going to be like controlled opposition but Ah. i can send you uh, a couple of like a subscription 
um, or what do you call it? Like names, you know, you can pull up a, a, a subscription for all the um, links. Send us all the links. <laughs> oh yeah. What do you, I know a lot of uh, Tartarian people support the flat earth model. Do you also subscribe to that? So the idea of flat earth, you're looking at a shape to try to describe something that is bigger, that is more, that is far more substantial than just, hey, let me have a plate that looks flat. What do you think? We live on something like this? Uh, Well, there's a possibility, right? But I'm kind of... um, under the impression that it's a lot more complicated than that, than, than shape, than size, than volume, than any of the things we're taught in the atomic model. The atomic model tells us we have to have some form of a shape for it to be a material object, mm, right? Mm. And essentially just because we're able to walk on this earth and not fall through it doesn't make it as material as they'd like you to believe. There's a ton of empty space between atoms and it's the forces that are doing the work, the unseen, the uncalculable, the ignored forces that are really doing the work. And when you get into stuff that the guys, you know, David and Jaronism and all them guys are digging into as far as the shape of the world and the universe and what's really going on. Well, man, I'll tell you, I think it has a lot more to do with uh, the shape of maybe a Taurus uh, or or a donut, basically, if you will, um, to where our perception it can only be flat because we're only ever looking at things through two dimensions, through two different portals of, of view. Okay. So with two eyes, we can't see. And and with our third eye closed, blocked closed. So, you know, effectively, well, we're not able to see the, the next layer of things to be able to understand that the energy all around us has no shape. Maybe it has movement or motion or vibration, but it doesn't necessarily have what we can effectively call a shape. So that's where I'm at with that. There's, you know, a lot more to energy, vibration and everything. Uh, I mean, if you look at if I were to hum at a certain tone, the entire room around me essentially would become the cymatic shape of the hum that I'm emitting. So it's a very loaded question when it comes to the shape of the earth. Uh, I don't think that, you know, we're uh, flying through space at however many thousands of miles an hour. So, <laughs> um, what I was going to say is that I just recently watched a video, uh, with Praveen Mohan and he was talking about how, um, uh, flat earth from India and like, cause they had a bit, there was some model that he found that showed, uh, like this flat earth model. But when you look at the model, it looks exactly like, uh, Atlantis to me. And it, what, what's interesting about that is uh, they even have like this uh, in the center, they have like this uh, conductive, you know, mountain or whatever. It's gold or it's some type of uh, right. It's the, ba- it's the base of the tree of life that has long been cut down. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah, that's so, where the pole is, right? Yeah, so that's where the pole is, right? So that connects right back into Box Saga also and Atlantis and the theory or the belief that they were stuck in the ice in the north and they have this giant ice wall all the way around them. It sounds just like the flat earth model, the giant ice wall, the concentric circles and the mountain in the middle that's Mm. magnetic. Absolutely. And that's, and that's why we don't have a South pole. Uh, you know, even if we were to adopt, adapt to the, the spherical model of the earth, 
we simply have a North Pole. If you look at how compasses have been one pole. documented to work down near the South, they do not work. Mm-hmm. We just have the one North Pole. So South is always going to well, be the opposite would, direction. South would repel, right? Well, correct. North is, yeah, North is so when South. You so you wouldn't, pole, yeah. it would cycle it wouldn't point the center. To it. Yeah. Whereas if you get to the South Pole, it would want to spin outward. So you would never have right, a definite pointing to a South Pole. It would always just keep the North pointed North. So it would just spin at the South Pole. And at the North Pole, it would point to that direct center, right? But that would make sense in in a in a magnetic model or electric Earth model because you'd have a north pole of a magnet and a south pole of a magnet. The north or the or the cathode and anode, right? Yeah, and the negative pole would suck in the energy or repel repel the energy. Well, it's kind of like choosing a left or a right or a red or a blue. You know, it's all the same. It's all the same system, but you know whether you're choosing the flat or the round, the left or the right. The system itself is still at play. Yeah, it's just looking at it: magnetism versus electri- elect- electricity, um, or the the plasma model. You know, the plasma model is electric in nature. Um, describes a whole heck of a lot more of what we've got going on in the world than for sure than, than the uh, you know spherical Earth. You know, iron core um, closed at the top, closed at the bottom, and that's all there is to it. And we're flying ninety three million miles an hour you know, through space. So that's not so much what I believe. Sir, Randy, okay. you, you, your voice so yeah, that should, is similar. Yeah, that your good. voice right, kind cool. of sounds similar to crow. I noticed it a couple times. I was like, <laughs> Oh wow. That sounded like I listen to crow a lot. Crow's one of my favorite podcasters. And, uh, like there's a couple times where yeah, I was absolutely. like, Oh shit, your voice sounds it. like crow. I love it, dude. Well, that's awesome. I, I, it's not too often that I do listen to my own voice. Uh, it's just one of those things that's kind of a, it's really difficult to get used to, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like the, the, the post, uh, the post stuff where everything's all edited together. It's like, wait a minute. Is that how I sound? Okay. Well, I, you know, I don't need to be so anxious about how I sound coming across a microphone. It's not too bad. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd love to get yeah. in and, and talk with Crow one of these days and, you know, hopefully making baby steps and, and diving into the world of uh, of conundrum and chaos like we all sit in, <laughs> you know, <laughs> will provide me that opportunity. So that's what I'm in it for. Hell yeah. I'm in it for the conversations, man. It's, yeah, it's good stuff. Sure, that's what we're here for. <laughs> uh, recently, I just watched this like five hour video called The Lost History of Earth. Have you seen that? I have. I have. And um, there's... There's more to it. I don't know if you <laughs> if you have a moment, but um, there's a lost history of flat Earth, and there's what 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 in the what in the world happened okay. is another one by the same gentleman. And so I'll have oh. some links to send you guys. There's one that's from the same guy, and then there's a, a couple more from a different uh, a different channel. It's it's called Mind Unveiled, so it's pretty easy to find. Yeah, um, and. I, I, and, and I, yeah, those two are on. They're the on point. They're pretty good about you know keeping their ducks in a row and you know making sure to exclude any kind of like not PC discussion and stuff. So it's YouTube friendly, which makes it easier for folks like us to find that information. So they've got some good stuff there. Of course, you know Flat Earth Thumbs from over there, Flat Earth British. He's he's a definite character that's worth looking into on a periodic basis. <laughs> Uh, but basically on that video, what what I was get, wanting to get into was the fact that they talked about these canals and these uh, that they would channel the water through 
and then they would have like these archways but the what he was saying is they're mac like giant u-shaped magnets like the victory and these arch. archways and when the water would move through these canals and through the arch it would conduct electricity and then he was talking about how they had different like steps of the water and the fountains to like uh make it change its um its tonal frequency structure or something right. like that and, and yep and and it's yes. uh it's super super interesting and it's really really deep and i've probably watched that two or three times over at least and um essentially in the very beginning he breaks it down and he goes okay so water is a is a dimagnetic substance which means it repels magnetism mm. okay so wow. if if you have um a cathedral or also the word cathode comes to mind which is where an energy influx happens on an electrical circuit you have energy coming in on a cathode and radiating out through the anode um electrodes are just connectors to one of these ends of the system uh, so basically if you are channeling a vibrational frequency which as we know sound and radio wave they're all related uh, as well as um you know, uh, electrical forces can run in either a, a wave or a particle, depending on the observer, apparently. Okay. Well, but all of that aside, um, with these cathedrals, you would have an influx of a certain cymatic vibration, a certain, so they would calibrate these buildings based on the rose windows. You'll see the rose windows are always in a cymatic or, um, a divine ratio or a divine pattern. This is something that we're forgetting about in nature um, that it exists. I mean, you can put a plate of sand over a speaker and play a certain tonal frequency and you will get a two dimensional shape. So if you can dive into your imagination a little, a two dimensional shape is essentially just a readable version of what's going on in three or more dimensions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if you have a sound and it's creating a shape on this, this powder on a plate, it is also creating that shape through all of the space around you. So you can imagine, I don't know if um, you've ever looked into fractalized, very, very fractalized. And uh, that's kind of what, you know, this is something that I think that, you know, the, the flat earth guys would really struggle with when it comes to, all right, if the earth is flat and you pan out far enough, how far are you panning out till it fractalizes and you become right back into the same situation you were in before, but a different fractal version or a different dimension. So it's, it's really kind of throws some minds for loops there. If you've ever had a chance to maybe take a visit to, you know, have an ayahuasca experience or, you know, That's something it. to that effect to kind of open your mind to the possibility of vibration um, and what frequency can do in a very visual sense that would probably be something to at least research. Um, but as far as the cymatics and, and the cathedrals, uh, these were places of healing. These were not a religious uh, following congregation loaded in there. No, this is where people went or the people of this time or the natives of quote unquote Tartaria who were the users of free energy. They would go to facilitate their health, their well-being, their energy. Um, there's been some talk recently of the Tartarian style, or, um, if you want to call it, um, new Victorian 
or Gilded Age of these places not having restrooms. Um, there were no, there were no bathroom facilities. So we always heard of growing up outhouses, you know, and you got the quarter moon outhouse outside and everyone just had an outhouse or they had a bucket that they went in the middle of the night or whatever the case was. But the theory is, is, uh, they were in such harmony with the world around them through their cathedrals and through the waterways running through the cathedrals that were charging the water with these positive energies like love and understanding and all of these kind thoughts that the people were having as they were being rejuvenated in these cathedrals were by default going into the reservoir beneath the cathedral, which is full of millions of gallons of water, right? So they're charging this water with this positive energy. And there's a Japanese scientist who's got a lot of work done on this. And and, uh, it's it's the, uh, the idea that intention will modify or change the crystal the crystalline structure of water or possibly any other and liquid substance. information in general so right you can imagine absolutely so the water's carrying that information that intent you know so they've already got their own method of communication through intent i mean if you're uh if you're having a problem in this star fort city of tartaria on this side right and your energy dips down and your people aren't healthy and there's something going on, it's not going to be very long before the one next way down the river Mm. is understanding and feeling the vibe that there's something wrong. Maybe they don't even need to speak to each other at that point. Maybe they just feel that negative vibe come down that current, that river, and they're just boom over there helping them out, you know? So these are, these are things that, that maybe we've lost, lost touch with, or maybe we're just a different species, a different group that, does come from an event like is described in the box saga uh, or does come from some form of cataclysmic Ragnarok. gathering of forces underground, you know, like the Hopi Indians talk about, mm. you know, having to, having to grab the native Americans and pull them underground for the cataclysm and, you know, send them back above ground after the fact so that they could survive. So these are, these are stories in our past that, um, I think we've pushed them back thousands of years, like Noah's Ark story. You know, we've pushed that back. We've said, oh, that must have been thousands of years ago. Well, hey, what if the Ark's a euphemism for this? And, you know, and uh, the flood maybe say, hey, what if it happened four or five hundred years ago, right around, I don't know, the time when like pretty much all hell froze over in Helsinki. And, you know, <laughs> what if this happened back then? What if this happened in 1717, where the largest, uh, blizzard and ice storm of of the recorded history that we have happened in the ireland area causing all of these famines and that could tie back into the irish origin of tartaria Mm. and esoteric knowledge which then became the jewish church i.e the jesuits and so on so quite a bit to unpack there and Mm. i definitely uh Hope that I didn't go too deep into it, you know, for uh, no, for a quick spiel, man, just because, you know, it's a lot, it's a whole lot to break down and to unpack. And I, I just definitely want to leave with a few really valid points of thinking for people to kind of ponder on, which is what does my vibe, my personal energy, my, my emotional energy, what does that do for me in my life? Okay, because in the past, your emotional energy, your positive vibe was what brought you into a mindset of creativity, of 
of joy, of beauty, of appreciation. So that's what we've lost. That's what is taken away from us and hidden in Tartaria is our ability to connect with ourselves, with each other. And, and you can see it around the world. This is what we're being denied right now. We're being denied each other. You know, we are essentially being put in boxes and said, hey, the only way you're going to talk to each other is uh, through things that we can monitor, keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. And if you think they don't have backup recordings of everything on Zoom or everything on Zen, you know, they've, they've got mm-hmm. it all, dude. But mm-hmm. it's just a, a matter of how we do things. They're, they're not going to uh, step up against people that are hypothetically conversating, in my opinion. I think it's a realm of uh of discussion that has to be on the table in order for things to continue as far as the plans you know that the powers that be have in place do you think that it uh is it could be uh energetic cataclysms as opposed to like physical cataclysms or that like things like like as opposed to like a geological or something like we're taught like a volcano yeah yeah any of that so so like energetic as opposed to that yes um absolutely and the thing that I'm like really tying into is, or right now I'm tying into is, um, first of all, is this going to be like an intentional cataclysm? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of evidence pointing to like an intentional cataclysm to kind of spark this global reset of information and rewriting of history. Um, but there's also evidence to suggest that prior to the 17 or 1800s, there was a worldwide just devastation that, we may have gotten conveyed to us through history as the fall of Atlantis when, um, you know, a very substantial uh, population and substantial civilization was quote unquote lost beneath the waves. Mm. Oh, okay. And, and then when you come into everybody kind of rolling over to America in the 1800s, a little bit after that, and I'm not saying that we were the, we as, you know, the whole Columbus story, everything we're taught in school. The New World Order wave. I don't think wave. that we were anywhere. Yeah. It, so that wave coming over was the wave that wanted nobody to know about the fact that, hey, maybe this, this flood, this, you know, uh, sinking of Atlantis was what happened to the Americas. Like where, where, did, where else is all the, the mud going to come from? Where the sinking of Atlantis was a euphemism or a metaphor for, the the loss of this age of understanding Ooh, so that is, that is some that is some righteous righteous corn on the cob right there my brother <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i've i've been in ponderance of this for for probably about the last two three years since it started popping up it really popped up with like okay what are the pipe organs in those in these chapels mm-hmm. in these cathedrals for right and this ties into the the some Ah, the cymatics, sorry, I get that confused with semantics because they're (laughs) kind of a similar thing. It's weird. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's just, everything's a play in words in this day and age. So let's see here. Um, Those pipe organs, uh, I I don't know if you've seen pictures of these things. Huge. Absolutely massive. Massive. Huge. And they're always, they're always tucked into a corner of these cathedrals where right next to them, you'll see a spiral staircase and a device that's inlaid into the wall. And I don't know if that has something to do with the drawing down of the ether energy. Um, I do think that the spiral staircases in wrought iron and things like that 
were part of the you know energy collection um all of the iron in the houses if you look in the silent, inside some of the pictures of these old buildings these old cathedrals they'll have what look like antennas just kind of sticking out of the walls in random rooms and i think that these were standing wave energy collectors or emanators in order to get that vibration to get that etheric energy kind of distributed throughout the house in a uniform fashion so that it kept people well it kept people um there's a theory that instead of being a type of creature that we are that uses a chemical process to break down nutrients and, and gain you know um fuel for our bodies that these people were of such an advanced nature that they no longer needed food they or they never had in the first place they were breatharians I, breatharians there it is so this is where a lot of the terminology for where the the superior quote unquote aryan race came from so you can Tart you can kind of see where there's a lot of Breatharians, Tartarians. So, and the, the whole Tartar thing oh. came as a disrespect. It was always put across to the West as a disrespectful terminology mm. for a, either a soldier coming back from the Crimean war was a Tartar soldier from coming back from the middle East or coming back from, you know, China or uh, the Mongolia region. They were always a Tartar. A thief was always labeled a Tartar. So um, Tartar wow. sauce is a direct insult to every time they're, they're eating fish and, and reminiscing on how great the empire of Britain is. They can refer to let's pass the tartar sauce because they've already consumed that entire way of living and, and people, you know, so there's still to mm. this day insulting and consuming the, the concept of what a tartar is. Wow. So it's, it's always an ongoing insult with, uh, with this situation of, uh, of structure out of uh we'll just you know we'll stick with just jesuits man they're they're on point on insulting their uh their lessers and of of being sure to express uh their disdain for those that they have conquered in the past through insulting terms that carry through time like like tartar sauce so that's why i was like that's just a perfect thing to take a look at because that is like the hugest insult for those of of tartar uh, background or um, those who consider themselves from the land of Tartary, which um, in, of course, in the maps, you know, it shows just Russia, kind of a Crimea area, um, a little bit of Mongolia. And um, so there's, there's a lot of that. That's just not true. It's, I think that it's a vast, vast group of people all over the world or you know whatever you want to call it, across the world I, I try not to say around anymore that one's a little bit of a <laughs> a little bit of Within. a to say around the world Within or around the, the globe earth. you know yeah across the earth so um a lot going on there um so yeah tar tartaria an all-encompassing term really uh, that is um you can kind of divide it into uh, like a pre-cataclysm Tartaria, which is when I think all of the golden age uh, infrastructure was built. A lot of the cities have uh, trolley cars, things like that. Yes. Um, you'll see telephone poles with what look like antennas on them, but there's no wiring. What this is, is a pulse relay system for telegraph. They are relaying messages through these without the wire because it's a short burst basically like an AM radio or an FM radio 
from their time. They're just bouncing signal all the way down. And what happened is um, you had uh, Thomas Edison and, and, and Bell and them come in and say, okay, well, how can we use this to our advantage after the fact? All right, fine. Just instead of uh, using the, the copper in the repeaters, let's just string a wire all the way across. And not only that, we've got to maintain it. There's costs there. We've got to. So they took everything apart and made it consumable, completely inefficient. Consumable. Yeah, consumable and inefficient. So you said somewhere in the deep beginning, and I wanted to bring it up. Um, but when you have what, what's really great um, about you, sir, and I do appreciate you is when you got a train of thought going, it's like better to just let it go because it's it's a it's a great train of thought. So I didn't want to interrupt in this time, um, and it was sure. either in our warm up conversation or it was in the intro beginning parts of this conversation. <clears throat> But um, it, it was talking about how it was it was funny that um, during the early 1850s that this uh, this seemingly um, everything was built within this short period of time. You know, we were we were coming right. out with so much stuff, and and it was happening, which which it just doesn't seem likely with the amount of people on the earth, with the type of technology we supposedly had at that time. It kind of correlates to now. It's like when you think about when the internet was supposedly released in 1995 to the public and the masses, and not just on a on a corporate or military level or a militia level, whatever. Um, and, and how much technology has progressed in such a short amount of time. It's like, as if it's all been there before and it's slowly just being chopped out and and leaked in. It it is. And we're finding leaked videos now. And one of which was on TikTok. And so you may be able to find it. It may have been taken down, but it's of, uh, 1920s women walking down the street with in their hands, a, a a wireless communication device. And, and they're wearing a purse. Okay, they're wearing a purse. And that purse has one of those little wind-up things like you see in World War One movies, how they wind up the radio yeah. to be able to send a message to their – or to call their, uh, you know, um, the superior or whatever. And these are 1920s, um, you know, flapper-type women um, just walking down the street. And it's either New York or Chicago with a little purse with a wind-up wow. and a little handheld. And, I mean, this thing is the size of a cell phone. It's maybe a little bit, you know, deeper, a little bit thicker and heavier, maybe like the first cell phones, but she's holding a cell phone up to her head and talking to people. And there's videos of this online that you can get a hold of pretty readily. Um, I wish I remembered the exact uh, site on there, but I mean, so the information's coming out, the information is out there. And so if, if uh, we're supposed to think that, oh, you know, prior to 1850, there were no photographs of things like that's just kind of crazy. It's uh, photography is something that, that should have been mastered, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. They've had the camera obscura from ancient times in India. And and this was just an optical effect that happened when uh, <laughs> when you uh an optical effect that happened when you reflect uh, light through a small peephole into a, a piece of cloth that has a certain chemical wash on it. And they're starting to think that a lot of these works of arts, like Leonardo da Vinci's um, Mona Lisa no. may have been this type of print no. because they cannot find the part, they cannot find the particle size in the actual uh, coloring or ink. So with a particle size being that small, there's no way they could have ground it that small back then. 
So it's leaning more towards a chemical reaction that's causing a uh, color differential in the fabric itself. So that's something that I, I just came across recently, which kind of blew my mind. And, um, you know, it makes sense that I've been hearing for years that these things are looking more and more like lithographs or like, like a production of a photograph than they are an actual by hand painting because they're unable mm. to recreate the process. So. Sounds like the shroud of Turin also. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, fuck. What was I going to say? Oh, uh, um, I forgot. I real quick though. I will say I found out the other day and this is just me and my lament, um, self as a not, painter um but i have a friend who is a bladesmith and he got um an offer um to start making some painter's blades and i said well what the what's a painter's blade and he's like well back before we used to use a lot of brushes painters would actually use blades um to paint they 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 didn't really use a lot of brushes like uh there was a very common to have blades been used so i wonder That's if they're something. Uh, wouldn't have been some like microblade uh, sort of technology for some some art artists back in the day. Absolutely, that's that's good stuff, man. Yeah, I had no yeah, idea. I was like, wait, using knives to paint? That's okay. Uh, yeah, I, and so these are little things and... that that they're you know slowly divulging. It's like, hey, everything's not how you thought. Maybe we can do things differently. And so it's just <laughs> a little bit at a time. We're being drip fed, and they've done a oh, hugely effective job at at ensuring that we are also pre-programmed that it takes until our mid thirties to start talking about what's really, really going on. Oh, Christ. It's so true. <laughs> um, what else? Yeah. I was going to finish. Uh, I remembered my thought. Uh, I was going to play devil's advocate a little bit and sure. say that when they're taking these pictures of these buildings and stuff, do we know that they're actually taking, what are you doing, dude? Do we know that they're actually taking, <laughs> I was drinking some water. I forgot I didn't have my mute on uh, there. <laughs> okay. I thought it was Roman because it looked like he was sitting down and then standing up. I was like, what are you doing, dude? Because uh, I can't see you. Um, you're a ghost. Right. Um, so to play devil's advocate a little bit, I was um, with, with the photos that they were taking of these Tartarian buildings or so-called Tartarian buildings, Do do you think that maybe they were just actually taking pictures of models uh because there is no people in the streets and stuff i mean uh it seems that's like a, that's a great question and now as far as the ones with the no people in the streets and things i think those are are legitimate photos of the buildings themselves now i have come across however video of the like 1906 fire in um chicago where it's showing mm -hmm. what's supposed to be the town burning and it's just a series of stills unfortunately. And, but when you pull these up, if, if you're any kind of pyromaniac, like I was growing up and, you know, dealing with fires and really large fires sometimes, and, you know, explosions and having all kinds of funs with friends and fireworks and all the things that we used to do, you, you start to see the way fire behaves in a small scale versus a large scale. And so there are a few pictures uh, online and you can probably pull them up on library Congress. Unfortunately, that's a mess. Um, so basically, these frames of this video are showing Chicago on fire, but the way that the flames are behaving, the way when you look at the scale of the flames and the smoke and just 
the capturing of the image, you can tell it's models on a set being burned. So there are no actual videos of, um, it was either Chicago or San Francisco. I think it was San Francisco because there's a little bit more information on that. Um, and uh, so for them to just have that as a historical documentation listed as a historically accurate photo just kind of um, took me aback because almost anyone can spot it. We've all seen the Smashing Pumpkins video tonight, tonight, and seen, uh, you know, the, the different types of film uh, techniques that they had back in that time of the century, which is probably why it got such high awards on MTV was because they were kind of making a mockery of the 1920s and 1910s uh, ability to pass off theatrics for reality. Um, they're building uh, the Wright brothers uh, images of the, the first, uh, you know, one hour and 15 minute flight. If you look at it closely, it's a composite of images. So quite mm -hmm. a few different things that are, are tied to just like a flip book. It, it is. And, and it's, uh, you know, back at that time, they only needed that, that few pieces of frame and they would just kind of loop it over and over again, a couple of times on the newsreel before they put the movie on for the day. And, you know, you had your newsreel. That was it. You didn't have at home television or anything like that. You went and stopped by on your lunch break, grabbed your newspaper, went and watched the newsreel in the local uh, theater, you know, for free. And that was how you got your news. And these were the types of clips and types of information that they were putting out to people on a mass scale. And, you know, why would we question things like that? You know, if we were in that time period, why would we question you know, the development of an entire nation, as long as we are comfortable in our own existence, in our own home, you know, we've got a blanket or two, we've got, you know, uh, at this point in time, I think we had electricity in most homes um, by probably 1920. Uh, we still had no, in 1920, I think there was something like 47% still had no electricity, but this is in the rural areas, in the cities, they were rewiring everything and getting everything set up to run lights. And so people were comfortable, you know, people have been very comfortable over the last, Oh, probably, probably since at least the end of the world war two, we've got uh, uh, um, a population, at least in America, that's very comfortable in their, in their lifestyle. There are some problems in some places, you know, inner cities and so forth. But with that comfort comes complacency. You know, if you're comfortable and you're, you're eating every night and, you know, for the hundred years prior to that, you may not have been eating every night, um, but you are now, you're not going to question, well, what's going on in California when I live in Mississippi or what's going on mm -hmm. over here. And um, the biggest, like, oh, the craziest thing that I have found recently is this idea that along the period of time with all the conflagrations and fires in different places, this goes all the way from the East Coast to the West Coast. Um, we had several devastations in places like New York and different places in Maine. Um, we've also got some information about uh, there being some fires in Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago. And these are all places that were along the transit route of the American mega fleet so this was the the naval fleet of america at the time with all the biggest mm. battleships and warships and artillery and everything there was and pretty much to the t if you break the timeline down of when these ships were in certain harbors 
within a certain brief period of time, there would be this massive fire in San Francisco with all this demolition and just chaos. And if you look at the aftermath photos, there are no uh, heavy machinery on the scene to, to be moving any of this large rubble. And frankly, it does not look like a fire went through there. It looks like the place was firebombed or just decimated by artillery. And, and so it's just something to look into. Um, the more minds we can get kind of looking into that and saying, well, hey, what really happened here was that as photography came along, they started to be able to have readily available and easily created documentation for their history. They had to rewrite it again. So we have the conflagration of 1916. We've got the, the uh, fire of 1906 in Frisco. I think it was 1908 in, in, uh, Chicago and, and up and down the East coast, there's fires and chaos and, it's just everywhere. Um, this is also when we had a lot of universities, sanitariums burning down right around 1906, especially the sanitarium side of things. Between 1906 and I think 1935, just about all the sanitariums in the country burned to the ground. Uh, What's a sanitarium? These were all buildings. A sanitarium is an insane asylum or somewhere you would go to regain health if you're like a businessman who uh, – reached his limit and had a mental breakdown, you might pay, you know, thousands of dollars to go to Battle Creek, Michigan and be treated under Dr. Kellogg. Oh, uh, the, one of the shit. creators of Kellogg cereal. Yeah. I'm well aware. Okay, so you would pay to go to some of these places <laughs> Yeah, yeah so you, and him and his brother had it out over the cereal and that's its whole, whole, whole other thing. And uh, it kind of ties into the Hershey side of things. You had Hershey over there and also uh, corporate slave holders, which Pennsylvania, if you look at the, um, and that's, that's all it was. And it was all contract work, you know, so they can't call it slavery. Um, but it was, uh, it was contracts placed under essentially a lot of, uh, undue pressure. We can call it blackmail, corporate espionage, blackmail or whatever, you know, and had a lot of creepy characters like that guy in uh, Charlie and the chocolate factory that comes up and whispers into Charlie's ear. Uh. And like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, how about you get that recipe for me, you know? And so there's a lot of this stuff going on back and forth behind the scenes when ultimately I think that it's, it's all just to facilitate the story. The rivalries are all stories. I really feel like all these people were put into place to do a certain job uh, for the quote unquote greater good of the IHS. <laughs> so, and we'll just uh, leave that, that red brick side of things alone. So we've got what, a little bit more time. Uh, we could dive into red brick. I'd rather do that when we can uh, pull up some actual stat numbers on that. Cause that's, that's a huge one as far as our capability to build these things that we're talking about here. All right. I have, I have two, um, two questions that are, that are seemingly kind of maybe they're, they're uh, polar opposite, but um, I want to see what, what your take is on it. Um, one, what do you think like, just occultism in general, right? The practice of occultism uh, has to tie into Tartarian uh, history or, or what's going on now with Tartar Tartaria, what have you. And then do you think that the mud flood or the erasing of history or the whitewashing of history happens in periodic form? So it seems like a lot of those dates you were bringing up, right? 1906, 1920, 1916, those were all almost about 100 years ago. And you look at what's been happening now right. since the um, 
since year 2000, when it hit the 100-year mark, 2001, and so on and so forth, these these almost cataclysmic type of um, societal situations that have happened are almost seemingly like they're part of a, you know, another mud flood. That could very well be, and I've kind of been struggling with that as far as the timeline between cataclysms. Um, what I will say, though, is you have a situation coming up or, or that came up around 2006, you know, to be honest, right around 2005, 2006, where we had the switch to digital. I don't know if you remember having to change out your antennas on your TVs yep. and everything else. Uh, all of a sudden we had satellite radio available. We had these just massive boosts in our ability to connect with each other. Um, you know, Wi-Fi had, had just become a really relevant thing. So we had digital switchover, switch over to wireless internet. And this all kind of happened at the same time. And um, I, I'm really of the uh, mindset that when we flipped from analog to digital, we transitioned into the new paradigm of, of cataclysmic change. And I don't think that we're going to see it in such a sense that we're used to in the past, where it's like a physical cataclysm. Uh, a massive all out devastating war that that you know pertains to tons of of death destruction i i think that they've done a lot of the land clearing they're going to do i think they've done a lot of the destruction they're going to do as far as physical things are concerned um now we are in a digital age where everything is data everything you are your pool of data you are your metadata and it's that metadata they can throw into a quantum processor and recreate you so i think this is where Ooh. the next cataclysm is the next cataclysm is a very very deep rabbit hole that i, I unfortunately don't think many of us come back out of um damn we are being we are being pushed to such a point of subservience that i i feel like some of us will become the creative cattle if you were if you will um we <laughs> we are here to create cattle. that is our purpose in this world uh, the controllers are not ones that are mm, we'll say they're not the most creative creatures on the planet but they are very persistent and they have a lot of uh stick-to-itiveness so, so we'll give them that much but as far as the creativity side of things they need us they need us for our our progress our creativity our they, that's why they've created the um, competition side of things between us to generate this production of things. That's what people are. That's what we do. We create things. We create ideas. And we turn mm -hmm. these ideas into tangible material objects, which I, I feel like that's a very special thing. Um, and we are very special people. And I'm, I'm with all the Flat Earth guys on on feeling like uh, it's an effort, a concerted effort to destroy what some people would know as God or the divine or, yeah. you know, the all powerful or the spark of life mm -hmm. within us. You know, what, what drives us to create and to, to have love and affection and ultimately to have hate and destruction. What drives all these things? Anything that leads to spark, ascension, you know, true ascension. That's, and, and that's what I'm, I mean, I'm ultimately, that's what I'm going for. I, I don't know if I'm going to have to make a few more round trips through the joint here, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> we'll see what, we'll see what happens when I get back with my uh, soul people and they tell me how I did this cut this time around. I, I don't think it's a one off. I don't think that it's just, Oh, poof, we're here. We're gone. That's it. We're dirt. 
And you know what? Ultimately, if I'm dirt for a couple hundred thousand years before I become something else sentient, I don't think I'm going to miss that couple hundred thousand years. You'd be so lucky I'll to, just be be happy to be some dirt sentient again. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I, I wanted to bring up uh, what kind of what we we're talking about with like these resets and creativity and how like the destruction of your ego is what um helps you to evolve and become greater it's almost like in in a way in a in a stockholm syndrome kind of way that they are actually creating these resets to help build us up to reach that higher level of creativity in a way like if you look at atlantis the destruction of atlantis and then the new rebirth and then you got like all these stories in ancient history of like the hero's journey and um you know the destruction of yourself your ego and then overcoming obstacles to get to that next level um it almost seems like it's uh Maybe not a controller thing, but more of like a symptom of the universe. Yeah, man, I'm with you on that. That's well put. Um, the destruction of ego, man, I've been struggling with that my entire life. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you get to a point where you can quiet that part of yourself down and see something like you just said, that's that's what I feel I'm here for. I, I believe that it seems like you feel you're here for that greater quest as well to quell the ego um because ultimately uh we are all each other we are all part of the greater um or you know part of the egoless existence of a higher vibration mm-hmm. and you know yeah the ego is what gets in our way it leads us down that materialism path and uh if if we can learn to step on our ego and you know quell it a little more and and put it aside that's definitely part of ascension for sure. Yeah. Um, then the other thing I was going to ask you about is, um, do you think ancient or do you think spirituality or do you think spirituality now was ancient health? Um, like we have distorted it and before it was to increase our well-being and our health and to help us vibe in a different frequency to kind of, um, you know, reach those higher levels of thinking. Uh, Because if you look at a lot of the Eastern ways of like meditation and those philosophies, it's all about like empowering yourself and healing yourself through like your chakras and all these other things, which also imitate, the whole process of, of earth too, if, with the Torito fields of the earth and then Torito fields of your body, the human body, and then, uh, and stuff like that. Absolutely. It becomes a fractal of, of spiritual, spirituality of, of energy. Um, your divine spark within yourself and your ability to use spirituality like meditation or Eastern practices to find that within yourself is just our smaller fractal piece of what the earth is doing with itself. Um, and, uh, you know, it's kind of like in men in black, <laughs> the first one where at the very end, you know, they get the, the galaxy and it's in the marble and then these giant aliens are playing marble with the galaxies, you know, and like, dude, that's, so one that's of kind favorite of a, a good fucking, I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt blatantly. 
That's literally, I've brought that scene up to so many people when I was a kid. That scene in that movie blew my struck a chord off. I was like, we are just one of many infinite universes being held in a sack of marbles (laughs) by a giant alien far away. Bubbles within bubbles is the way I understand it. Um, When I was uh, in a meditation cycle uh, a few years back, that was the answer that I got back from uh, the, we'll call it the original cloud the, you know, the etheria of it all. Sophia is also a name that was attributed to. Yeah. So if you, you know, there's a lot to be had out of each, each little sect, each little division that has happened when it comes to spirituality, they've all taken a piece of the truth with them. Um, Mormonism, uh, when it comes to hidden history, is, is a huge one. I mean, definitely look into their understanding of the previous inhabitants of the Americas and things like that. And, you know, of course, South Park comes out and goes, dum, 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 dum. So, you know, for them to throw that out there in such a way to influence the masses that that's just a ridiculous idea kind of tells me maybe I should look into it a little further. Interesting. And so, you know, after looking into it a little further, yeah, the, uh, the Mormon story is is right along lines with the Gnostic gospel when it comes to kind of insight as to what could really be going on. Um, I would really hate to classify myself as any one group of religion or spirituality. I'm just I'm just a spiritual uh, vagabond on a journey to you know a greater vibration. So you know that's the only way I could put it. I try to try to get what I can from every interaction or every, um, every engagement with whether it be a faith or uh, just a belief system, um, uh, a Chinese medical system, things like acupuncture and, and uh, energy lines and the way energy flows throughout your body. Um, Very, very crucial stuff. If, If you can, somehow find your peace quote unquote of heaven in every little religion or every little spiritual teaching and put it together and customize it for yourself to where you can connect with Sophia or the ethereal realm or each other. Like there have been times where I've been meditating. It's just silence, but there are times where it's kind of like, a download of this and that kind of uh here's an answer to this mm-hmm. here's an answer to that let it play out and you'll see uh, it's never something that i can go and you know scream to the mountains about or 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 preach on a, a pulpit like oh this is the a- absolute truth but i'm i'm given personal truths through these methods so um you know definitely worth the investment in time and energy to seek your personal truth that way you can extend yourself to others a little bit more effectively and maybe help them find their personal mm-hmm. truth. So, yes, cause it, it's all stories. When, when you, when you break everything in life down, it's just all stories. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the interesting things that I heard you talk about on, uh, my family thinks I'm crazy, um, which you didn't really go into too much detail about. So I was hoping you would hear it's the whole idea of the circuit board earth and then like the simulated reality behind that. That one gets into some, uh, some deep territory. It, it all kind of hinges on 
stepping away from a materialist point of view that's going to tell you that your body is nothing but a meat robot okay right. um while while the general base of that may be true um there's a lot more going on that's not being told to us things like um the way your energy interacts with the world um yes you physically interact with the world to manipulate materials to create to do things but your energy is also interacting every time you see something that gives you an idea or a spark of inspiration it's coming from somewhere okay the spark of inspiration or a sense of joy or um so you're walking down the street on a sunny day and you know you're barefoot in the grass and the sun's up and you're bald like i am you're bringing that sunlight straight down into the earth and so that is giving you a certain <laughs> vibration a certain feeling a certain experience so you're body is a lot more than just a meat puppet that you're just controlling your body is your antenna it's your computer it's your link to the motherboard earth that we all live on okay um now if you look at if you think about how much energy um whether it's just the movement of people in and out of an office building that's made out of glass and steel all day and everybody's set plugged into their desks with their hands on their mouse or their keyboard or engaged with their headphones on plugged into their computer, which is plugged into all the rest of the wires in the building, which they go somewhere down through the ground, wherever the case may be. This is all facilitating our experience. What I mean by that is without the, uh, this kind of ties into some deep stuff about the old ones societal <laughs> and, uh, and and it. how it is a societal simulation. So basically That's it's like the, favorite one, word. the ones that came before us laid the groundwork uh, for a more immersive societal simulation. Um, they built the mountains, you know, these mud flood fossils or these mud fossils that are mountains and they're, they're just giants laid out and different, you know, shapes. And there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on, whether it's, the silicone trees that used to be here hence have been cut down, turned into silicone motherboards now, and we use these in our computers to process everything. At one point, those silicone trees were the network of information that created reality that we now understand. It's kind of a lot to follow, um, and it's been since broken down by us as lesser, smaller stature folk, because the ones that came before us scaled up significantly as you go back further in time. And by further in time, I can't say I can rely on any, uh, was it Sklagerian uh, timeline or, or even any of the timelines that are in place, uh, common knowledge. Now, I mean, we're talking probably eons and eons ago that these things happened or it could have just been, you know, a few resets ago where time is not even a, an issue when none of us mm -hmm. are here. If none of us are here. How are we recording time? So we don't know how far back <laughs> it was or anything. Um, so, so layer upon layer, if you've ever seen the, the pictures of like Seattle where they're tearing out uh, one side of an entire street and you can see a street sitting on top of old world buildings <laughs> that are just decimated and they just build on top of it. So we've been building on top of and on top of civilizations previous to us. And this hasn't been at a loss for what certain sites do energetically uh, for the world and for the people involved with them. 
Like if you have a place that is a hippodrome or is a coliseum where tons of energy is expended um, by the people, you know, in the stands, the the energy, the vibration of of that that uplifting cheer or yelling or just the energy that comes with the sports or um, some kind of a circus event, right? So that energy is not just noise going out into the world. It's not just uh, chaos and, and people moving around, this is creating a charge. And so a lot of this old infrastructure, in my opinion, was built to draw that charge down into the earth, into motherboard earth. And we all know our computers need power and they need to run on something. So these are essentially running on the after effects of intention, which is action. So any action through any space of, of earth is upsetting a standing wave, which is causing an energetic response. That being said, um, when it comes to how it's programming our reality and how it may just be the most massive AI ever established is the earth itself and has been self-creating and self-building from the bottom up. And so all of these layers of technology built on top of layers of technology have established a set of motherboards that are computing our reality. So it's an all-inclusive simulation and hardware establishment to facilitate the simulation. Excellent. So we're just basically, we're living on the uppermost layer of a stack computer, kind of like your computer towers stacked in there with motherboards. But just imagine each motherboard is a an era of time and the technology that they have laid down. Yeah. <laughs> and are you saying that like the, the circuit board, like earth is creating a false reality that we're seeing now, as far and as the it, word false, I, I don't know that I could give it that. Um, because, and, and this is where it gets tricky with the word simulation. Um, yeah. it, it, it's, it, it can be both. It can be a, uh, while we're living in a, in a false story or a false narrative, I don't know that our reality as it stands or, or our realm is anything faux or false or pseudo. Maybe the purpose um, itself. I, right. And it could kind of loop back and where we have fractals outside of time, it makes it very difficult to say what's going to loop back in on itself and, Will it keep self-creating? And so while we're creating the computer systems that we are, the artificial intelligence and realities that we as humans are creating directly, um, we're scaling it down. We're scaling it down from maybe an Earth-sized thing to maybe a data center-sized thing where it's got the same capability and the same means of creating its own reality within. So with all the data we're providing from our earth-based simulation reality, we're creating a digital and quantum-based software reality. So we're, we're just taking it down a notch. We're scaling it down just like they did before us when the giants all left. So now we as giants will all leave and everybody will log into their their uh their selves <laughs> into their system be logged in and be a, a microchip or be part of the matrix i think the matrix uh films as it were are basically the prophecy the self-fulfilling prophecy 
ideally put into place by predictive programming. Sure, sure. So mm. I think that that's what the drive is. I don't think that it's something that's maybe happened in the past where a lot of people think, oh, we're just batteries. We're just um, in the matrix. I don't think we're in the matrix yet. Do you <laughs> think, think humans that, are com- becoming smaller is- over time? Like we're shrinking? We're going to become only smaller? I do. I do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Holy shit. And I, I think that it's getting to a point where we've reached the size necessary to manipulate the materials we have in such a way and to break down the materials we have in such a way and to look small enough and deep enough into things. Um, I don't know if you believe the CERN collider is like a time gate or whatever. Oh, but I was um, just going to ask you about CERN. <laughs> but so but I think going. CERN is is the breaking the f- try to find out how to break it down small enough and far enough to get to where they can manipulate the aspect they can't control right now. Which I think the the face of it is something to the effect of right now they cannot tell you why in a double blind experiment they have the observer effect, which is. However you observe it, it's going to be. If you want to observe it as a particle, it'll be a particle. If you want to observe it as a wave, it'll be a wave. And it skips back and forth. And so I think that the effort right now is to break it down far enough where they can predict and create an algorithm that will replicate the observer effect. So I I think that's kind of where they're stuck on is, all right, well, if it's, if, uh, uh, boson's not a particle or a wave, but it demonstrates the properties of both. How do we factor this in? And so what they do is they bring in quantum computing, which can give you not only a zero or a one, but it can be both at the same time. So now we're in a realm where our ability to compute reality for ourselves in, in a reduced, um, a reduced quote unquote size atmosphere has reached a point where they can do it now. And so in my opinion, a lot of this stuff in the sky that we're breathing in, a lot of these, you know, iffy kind of things going on with technology in the nano world are, are leading us more towards piecing apart our consciousness to find out what it really is to break it down a hundred percent and to insert it into the next fractal down, which is, the computer world or which is, you know, an, an AI uh, utopia where we all exist. Maybe not we all, but maybe our kin or our offspring, or maybe an entire generation of created avatars or characters based on our, on our data. You know, it may not be something like, well, we're going to plug in in the back of the neck, like uh, Neo and matrix and, and jump into this thing. But the next few generations may see a change of, having physical people to having simulated everything time and time again over and stacked and to such an extent that it's just, it's the massive effort to take God out of the equation and minimize everything into a material, nice, neat little package that can be all controlled from an outside uh, entity or force, which is essentially what we would look at God as today. You know, as an outside entity or force that's manipulating what we call our reality. You know, it's it's just an effort to continue to do that. uh, You know, it's interesting about that, too, is because it seems to me, my intuition tells me that God is within 
this earthly plane within this earthly atmosphere within this earth like the gaia itself and herself itself the self but the narrative being pushed is to strip away us from the earth and the godliness of the earth and the earth's you know circulatory system if you will with energetic circulatory system but then to impede this alien force of like us bowing down to the alien gods because it you know it has to come from the outside as opposed to coming from the within and that i think is is kind of just in my opinion right that's where i i agree with you so much that they're ripping us away from this you know this this connection to god but god in my opinion is the earth and is this energy this electromagnetism um within earth's plane and so it kind of ties into a strange for that yes yes and it kind of tries ties into a strange question i want to ask you just to get your opinion on this how many species of humans do you think exist on the earth and by that i mean do you think we have been inoculated with maybe some sort of alien species at any point in time or do you think we are all in fact humans <laughs> well uh i have been struggling with this okay and um not gonna lie some of the struggle with this comes from maybe too much absorption of uh, japanese anime or manga concepts but i do <laughs> hold them to a certain level as far as understanding things beyond what we are able to because they are given a lot more information about the world to compute everything they need to to come up with these virtual realms um that being said uh i i the more and more i dig into it the more i look at the current human species as a humunculus i i really don't think that we can call ourselves and this is going to kind of sound crazy as you know somebody that is aware of the forces of good and evil in the world and and considers himself spiritual is i i think that we are definitely a manufactured uh Uh, creation or species um maybe not manufactured but we've definitely been led in the direction i mean we can't even tell how far back these quote unquote inoculations and these mm-hmm. different modifications to the way our body works have been happening um you had the you know 1908 or whatever spanish flu so that's hundreds of millions of people getting shots some people died but those 12. people that lived they they created us we are their offspring you know we're the offspring of the people getting all the booster shots in the in the 50s and 60s coming back after world war two. So we really don't know what's going on there. Um, we don't know what's going on with the, um, changes in molecular structure of the food we eat, you know, especially a lot of the modified, the modified things. What is it modifying within us? You know, nanotechnology has been hidden to such an extent. And I started hearing about it probably 25 or maybe 30 years ago when I was a kid, Wow, just having, uh, having um you know family and stuff in aerospace and seeing like there was a lot of crazy top secret and you know scientific stuff to really dig into to look at and so they've they've had a lot of this technology a lot longer than they'd like to admit tell us more and um it's kind of scary to think that genetic engineering maybe has been going on since the turn of the 19th century if not earlier um 
I like to think earlier because, you know, look at look at Box Saga. If you're stuck underground for 10,000 years, you think you're not going to start playing with genetics a little bit? I mean, what else have you got to do, right? Holy shit. So, <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> so, you know, you, you might as well start really toying with things and, and get everything refined to where you've got the most productive, the most tenacious, the most vicious people for the right roles once you get up there and can start handling stuff and taking things back you think you're not going to have a group of people called the jesuits that are genetically lined up to do the job they're doing with absolutely no moral qualms like you know they're farmed this whole super soldier thing they're farmed we're all farmed man <laughs> you know <laughs> we really are um to t- to take it back a little bit you're talking about quantum mechanics and zeros and ones and how quantum would be zero yeah. and a one yeah cubic and, uh, can be either or both um or the absence of both so it's it's wild yeah. sounds androgynous yeah it made me think what it made me think <laughs> of right. is the phi ratio uh the symbol for the phi is a circle with a one going through the middle of it vertically um, oh yes, yes, yes. And then, so I, I looked it up, and uh, yeah, it's the, it has to do with phi, and uh, I think a lot of these um, uh, Greek fraternities are called like Kappa Phi or something. Alpha like beta, that. Kappa alpha phi beta, beta phi, something. <laughs> so, something like that. But uh, so so yeah, that's interesting. Um, and that's yeah, kind and of like so, a natural and so yeah, energy. and if you if you look at that, like, all right, when did the Greek language come out? We're told, but thousand years ago, we'll just run on that for now. So thousand years yeah. ago, they had the concept of phi, which was essentially a zero and a one, like you're saying. And this is right around the time the um, the characters for mathematics started to really come into prevalence right about that same time. That Greek writing was coming out. We had Pythagoras, the Pythagorean theorem. Um, Archimedes, everybody we're told about comes from a Greco-Roman period of time. So why why wouldn't they have the concept of a qubit, which is phi, which is a zero and a one at the same time, or the absence of both, or an anti-qubit, or whatever it is. So if they've got these concepts already written into a language that they've created, then these concepts are not only relevant in that Greek, but they were relevant in whatever information they brought it from. So the Greek and Roman languages, they're, they're false languages, just like Latin. These are just created to create the false history where you really want to get and dig into is old Gaelic languages. Um, maybe some old uh, Cyrillic kind of is the, the predecessor to a lot of Greek and Roman. And it's kind of strange to see that, Um, because we're told the opposite, you know, we're told the Greeks and Romans, you know, did all this first on their own, um, came up with these alphabets on their own and so forth, but getting back to the qubit, um, so they, they had a concept of it. They had a written concept and a written essentially symbol for what would later be used as a symbol for phi. Um, and phi is basically the Fibonacci and that's what all life is created from. And it's the the ultimate fractal. It it mm-hmm. it is what creates the fractal reality around us is the golden ratio. And and if you look at um, 
a lot of different equations throughout time, like the one that's uh, telling us the size of the earth, for example, and you look at the breakdown of the mathematics of a sphere, even it is so contrary to the golden ratio that it, it's, it's almost like a blaspheming of it. Um, when you have, <laughs> when you have a remainder of an equation come out to 66.6 degrees and, and, and this happens time and time again, or it's 33 degrees, uh, you know, depending on what the situation is. And, and these are all kind of bastardizations of the, what is it, three to one to two ratio uh, or two to three to one. I, I got to pull that up. But anyway, it's it's not the it's not the clean mathematics that we would be looking for with the golden ratio attached, which kind of leads to the divine structure of the universe, in my opinion. That golden ratio is key. Um and when you have mathematics that does not line up with that, like the speeds of which we're supposed to be flying through space and the spirals in which these are happening and the chaos factor and all this other stuff, uh, kind of leads me to believe that most of the fabrications that we see in mathematics are going to be um, just deviations from that golden ratio. And all of the construction we were talking about about cathedrals and if you go inside and you measure anything in a cathedral whether it be the space from wall to wall or the space from ceiling to floor or the space between arches or even the ribs on the arch or the ribs on the columns themselves you will always find a reference to the golden ratio within every single thing inside of that um, and now there are different variations that will manifest as a change of frequency of sound or will carry a frequency, a certain frequency of sound a little differently than the other, but they will always fall within the golden ratio standard. And we just don't see that in the, in the newer buildings. The ones they claim are, um, cause we're no longer living with nature. We're living in material reality. That's it. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, so for the, this last little part right here, uh, you had mentioned um, the connection with the Adams family. And <laughs> yeah. so, so, glad to we end could it, get to that. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, to end it a little bit, I'd like to end it with something a little uh, fun. Maybe. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I'm not it's, really it's sure what, what you're going to tell me. So, it's no, it's so. definitely fun stuff. <laughs> and it's, it's definitely going to kind of give you a head scratcher, you know, especially when, um, when you look at, you know, when they pull up to the Adams family house and it shows their house up on top of the hill and it's of a Tartarian, we'll call it a Tartarian architecture. It's got the, you know, four peak with wrought iron in the top with, you know, electricity striking it. You've got Uncle Fester and them running all them experiments in the basement, right, with electricity. And, and he's always got something blowing up down there and he's coming out, you know, covered in soot and smoke. So he's doing all kinds of awesome <laughs> things in the basement, right? A lot of really crazy involved uh, so classic work that that nobody understands. People just laugh him off as the crazy guy, right? But at the same time, he's walking mm -hmm. around in all his wool coat, bald as can be, right? Probably for messing with all the electricity and stuff down there. He zapped his own eyebrows <laughs> off and everything. So that being said, he can walk around. He can throw a light bulb in his mouth and light up any time. Why? Because he's wearing he's wearing wool, and he's probably got a couple of layers of something that's metallic. Or, you know, organic underneath, a couple layers of wool and maybe some um, steel fibers or copper fires woven into the wool. And he can walk around and he can light any room he's in just by holding a light bulb because he's so static charged. So, I mean, they're telling you kind of a thing is 
Well, you know, while Uncle, Fe- Uncle Fester may have been the bald, crazy, kind of scary looking guy, he had a handle on electricity a little better than most people do. So that's that's one little thing there for the Adams family. Um, a couple of others are just the um, the diversity. Okay, so you've got some diversity in this household. All right, you've got, um, you know, the wife figure who's a, a tall, very tall, slender, black-haired woman. Okay, and you've got um, her husband, which is of Hispanic descent which there were a lot of a lot of Hispanic hierarchy and things living in some of these Tartarian areas. We'll call them Tartarian areas yeah, because that's long. It, it, absolutely. And, and when we had uh, places like Southern California, you had Juan Cabrillo and you had a lot of these different influential Spanish figures that were living in the late stages of Tartaria in, in California even. So mm-hmm. that kind of points to that. Um, and then you have, you have their butler, obviously. You have Lurch, right? And Lurch is a giant. He's at least what, mm-hmm. eight foot tall or so. And uh, that family looks at it like it's an absolutely normal thing. He's part of the family. You know, there's there's never any qualms about his race or anything like that. But they they put him across as a sideshow type of effect for that for that show. And Tartaria ties into giants very heavily. If, uh, we'll get into the, maybe the Smithsonian stuff a little next time and go into that but uh so there's quite a few things um along with the kid uh well well, with the uh the two kids i think you have you have wednesday who is um kind of more into the social manipulation side of things she's she's very good at getting what she wants out of whoever she wants it from but is also kind of a, a metaphor for a transition between this crazy old family and how are their children going to adapt? So they're showing the children as being troublemakers, as being devious, as being kind of the people you don't want living around you, the rebels, you know, the rabble rousers even. So they're portraying these people in a poor light, you know, um, saying that anybody coming from a type of family that lives in this crazy house up on the hill and generates their own power and you know they've always got lightning and crazy stuff going on not to mention a cousin it who's covered in hair completely and if you look at oh yeah uh, you look at the um sideshow photos of the wolf boys and things like that this was not as rare of a thing as we're led to believe um i do think that it may have even been a subspecies and this kind of ties to the well you know how many different species of human do you think there are or have been um, I think there was a lot more diversity going on uh, even just 200 years ago, um, a ton of it. I think that possibly the Wolf Boys were just the last couple, and they exploited them just to make them look like a sideshow. Same thing with a lot of giants. Um, same thing with uh, different things like the the Berserker Moors or the, the really huge, huge um, African. We'll call them African-American, but they were American before the African-Americans we try to say were brought over the Moorish nation. Um, if you look into it, the oldest indigenous nation or indigenous people come from Louisiana and they are of a light skinned, uh, a light skinned um, African complexion. And so it's something worth looking into there. Um, but the fact that the United Nations recognizes them as the oldest um, Aboriginal or original civilization in the world 
kind of tells you that there's a lot of history we're not being told, especially when they're telling us that there were, you know, native civilizations of quote unquote African based bloodlines in Louisiana prior to any other indigenous civilization we have on record in the world. So that just kind of tells you, you know, we're, we're, we're being told very little or um, the opposite of what we need to know about the people that came before us. And there was a huge diversity there. And so with shows like, um, like the Adams family, we we were taught to belittle different people. We were taught to see Mm. giants as less than standard. We're taught to see the crazy uncle with the science lab in the basement as a danger to society, you know? And so, uh, an entire generation was brought up on these stereotypes of, you know, if it's different, it's bad. And, um, so yeah, the Adams family kind of tied into that one for me. I kind of connected a few different ideas when, um, you're talking about that and the fact that their name Adams family Atom, the Adam, the original, the original people, the original exact. And it's, it's all so in your face. <laughs> it's like, uh, and then, yeah. And then the other one would be Wednesday. Uh, she's kind of wise and smart. And like, she's like, Oh, I know what's going on here. And, uh, and her name comes from Odin, Odin's day. Absolutely. And she does, she does have the, the most well-reserved, uh, quiet, collected kind of demeanor of them all. Um, but the mother does too. The, the mother as a, or as a matriarch does a, a very good job in demonstrating the pride and, and just, you know, the, the non-swaying kind of demeanor of these people. And I'm sure that these people were Henri, these Tartarians or the last remnants of them that were living in places like on the hills of, you know, California in, a, in an old rundown house. I'm sure that these were, these were what we, I think kind of came to call gypsies. Mm, um, mm. I think that the, the Romanian gypsy side of things is askew too. Um, so, I mean, we can get into the whole Stephen King and, and thriller and or, uh, and uh, thinner and all that other stuff. We got all kinds of content we can go over when it comes to a lot of uh, a lot of movies, a lot of books. Stephen King is a really deep one because I believe in you know transcending realms where we've got maybe some overlaps or some thinning of of the etheric uh, barrier between you know here and maybe the next dimension over. I think that there are some places in the world where it gets a little iffy and it gets a little thin and. If you've ever read any Stephen King, there's a lot of that going on. So, um, so yeah, with the the Adams family, the the most fun part I think about that was um, was Uncle Fester. Just the ability to light up that light bulb just tells you that they had control over that capability, and they're just kind of rubbing it in your face in a goofy kind of way. And so, <laughs> so that was the Adams family spiel for you there. <laughs> That's interesting. That's. Uh... There's there's a lot there's a lot to ties into the Adams family and I'm really gonna start digging into that because wouldn't you know they just <laughs> put out the Adams family too CGI version completely animated version so there's a lot of- exactly and so they're they're not gonna have as much uh you know footage of the old infrastructure of the home uh-huh. like if you watch the last movie with Raul Julia I think it was uh, Adams Family Values or Adams Family Two. 
um, it shows a lot more of their house, like the garden area, the indoor glass encased wrought iron garden area. It was just massive. And they had all these crazy plants and stuff growing in there. So it's just, it's worth looking into and it's definitely fun. Once you look at it through that, uh, that microscope there. We were just talking to an Irish mythologist. Shout out to Morgan Daimler. Morgan. And uh, she said, <laughs> she said that fairies are scared of iron. They don't like iron. So it's very interesting that you have this like void of spirit because they're so dark and then they're surrounded by this iron um, and they're like in isolation too, um, kind of by themselves on the hill. Absolutely. And, you know, that's, I've never heard of that particular, um, you know, tendency for fairies to shy away from iron. I wasn't aware of that, but that, that kind of makes a lot of sense in the prehistory of Tartaria and why maybe they would prefer to have these entities not be a part of their society. So they would infuse their, their buildings, their, um, technology with iron to a certain extent. Although I do think Tartaria tended to use a lot more brass, copper, gold in their um, their building of their infrastructure when it came to for an energetic sense of things. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of wild that they're essentially yeah barring off and and that kind of goes along with gypsy lore too. They are familiar and you know adamant about other entities uh, existing within you know, their realm and, and, and their lives, uh, for better, for worse as well. So I, I, uh, I have two questions before we, um, before we send you on your merry way, Sir Rando Mysterium. Um, one, (laughs) what is, (laughs) what is your, um, what is your belief on the pyramids? Do you think there is more to the pyramids potentially underground. Um, I had a fun thought the other day of what if the pyramids were originally um, like an entire, like, um, oh God, I'm forgetting the name of the shape, not necessarily rhombus, but so you have the pyramid shape, right? But, and if you were to connect it on the bottom, you would have that thing that spins. Like tetrahedron kind of. Uh, like a top. Yeah. Yeah. Like a. a dreidel. Yeah, like a dreidel yeah. tetrahedron <laughs> situation. Maybe that's continued underground because I know some of the Sphinx was also buried underground. Also the, you know, cataclysmic mud floods. So first pyramids, what's your thought? Are there more to them? And also what's your thought on the human origin story? Ooh. Okay. Let's start with pyramids. My thoughts on them. Uh, the pyramids, I, uh, I gotta say I'm on the fence about them as far as pretty much all the stories were told. Um, I, I believe that they were part of this massive worldwide energy infrastructure. I couldn't say like a time frame. I do think that there's tons more going on underground, not just under the pyramid, not just under the Sphinx, um, I think that that entire plateau and or most of that desert is that sand didn't get there naturally, in my opinion. Um, it's it's remnants of some things that were probably blown to smithereens or were just decimated and then just uh, kind of uh, covered up a whole lot of uh, infrastructure there. Um, 
I mean, if you're familiar with the infrastructure underneath London or any of these other cities, I really think that that's very similarly the case underneath the Nile Delta in Egypt. Um, I may very well be under a vast majority of the world. Um, this goes into deep underground military bases, so on and so forth. Um, as far as the pyramids go, though, definitely something going on underneath there. There's definitely a lot more to that story. I do lean more towards the fact that we kind of had our attention shifted from um, Egypt possibly being in a place like Thebes, was it Thebes, uh, Tennessee, was it, or Kentucky? Mm. They call it the Thebes of America. Um, and there are pictures mm -hmm. of that through the uh, uh, through the archives online about the uh, turn of the century um, expositions. So definitely worth looking into the the pyramid of the Americas in those expositions. Uh, I think may have been a more modern version of what was going on out there. Um, I went to the um, the Parthenon in Tennessee. Right, and does and does that not scream? Uh, <laughs> not paper mache or not built <laughs> the way they said that uh, it is. <laughs> no, I, I I think it was total crap. Actually, uh, I I don't think that it was built very well. Um, hmm. The outside feels very. Uh, it looks kind of styrofoamy. Um, it you could tell the columns aren't one piece; they're little segments. Right. Uh, uh, a lot of it. I, if I were to look at like I haven't been to Rome, so I don't know what the real one looks like, but I would say it was pretty hokey. Huh. And and I, I mean, think it was it was pretty amazing to look at and to see and to be standing in front of. Uh, made you feel less. Right. Uh, and then he even said uh, we had a guide, and he said that the the reason why the stairs were so big and uh, high. It was so that every time you stepped up the stairs, you would have to bow down. Um, <laughs> that's different. To Athena, basically. Wow, that's different. That's something. And, yeah. and you know, while that makes sense, if it were to be the case uh, overseas, <laughs> you know, in Italy, mm -hmm. um, that mm -hmm. you know might might be the case. But they, see, they're going with the narrative that this uh, this Parthenon is is a uh, a monument to feet or to uh italy correct like they're yes they're kind of framing yes. it as an after the fact not as uh well we got here and the thing was half destroyed so we did our best to put it back together and throw it up there and and call it a remembrance yeah. monument um so i i really am of the of the mind that um egypt as we know it may have been a transplanted story from the americas um You've got pictures of them building the temple of Karnak and they say they're just remodeling it. And this is out, you know, in the Valley of Kings where they're carving out of sandstone, you know, these, these Pharaoh's faces and so on and so forth. And, um, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure that, that they were, uh, re, what do you call it? Remodeling or re-envisioning or whatever, but I'm pretty sure they were just building a lot of stuff out there to create these monuments, to create the tourist attraction for people to go out there to kind of pull the attention away from America and tourist what was distraction. going on here. Absolutely. And, mm. and it's, it's just a, Hey, look over here. Cause uh, we don't want you to see all the crap we're digging up, not only in the Ohio Valley, um, 
I mean, there are several, several books you can read on, and I've got the, uh, that's sitting over there somewhere. It's the um, the Smithsonian uh, book about essentially antiquities in America. And they break it down to such an extent that it sounds like there was just something going on maybe 20,000 years ago. They don't explain any of the Tartarian architecture. Like, for example, the biggest example I'm going to lean on since it's close by and I've seen it with my own eyes and, and laid my own hands on it is the Capitol building in Des Moines, Iowa. It is the most out of place uh, thing I've ever seen in my life. And it's just absolutely massive. It's got something like five to seven pounds of gold or inlaid into the dome and the roof. Mm. Um, And that's not including all the copper that's up there and everything else. Um, So now that, on the other hand, solid columns. (laughs) And when you stand in front of this thing, it it does not... um, it does not disappoint. And um, from what I understand, there are Capitol buildings like this reaching from places like uh, Missouri. Uh, I think that there are a couple in Colorado. I know that there's at least um, part of it left in Utah. Uh, I don't think the Cl- Crystal Cathedral that used to be in Utah up in Salt Lake is there anymore. Um, but there were a lot of Crystal Cathedrals around that point in time that were um, – just huge. Uh, so as far as the pyramid goes, definitely something underground going on there. And I'm not a hundred percent sure what the end game with the whole Egypt thing is. Uh, you're seeing a lot of information come out about the three initiates and the, the, the cl- uh, <clears throat> and some of the information coming out of ancient Egypt, uh, as far as esoteric, uh, literature is, is starting to pop up out of nowhere. So that's a little bit startling, um, especially when they've been kind of going with the same story for the last thirty years. Um, say so. Um, yeah, they have a new they have a new guy in charge of antiquities. It's no longer. It's um, no longer Zawi Hawass. Hawass. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't a big fan of his, not at all. <laughs> but yeah, most people are not. It, yeah, it goes with that whole hollow feeling of history. You know, um, when yeah. you really want to dig into something because it catches your interest and you find next to nothing on the subject aside from conjecture, it's, it's kind of eye opening. It really is. Um, so let's see, aside from the, the pyramids and, and then, that side of things. Yeah. Roman wanted to know your origin story of people. Oh, wow. Real, man, really, it's... really quick. I'm sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> looking, yeah, looking no at worries. the inside of the, uh, Iowa, the Des Moines, Iowa, capitol building i'm just looking at it on google and i looked at the outside and it's just like screams classic tartarian architecture but looking at the inside is immaculate like damn it is just this building is next level and you know like i was saying about the uh six pounds of gold on the uh at the top of the building there um I just don't know that there's any reason for that aside from energy generation or some, you know, while it's there for a oh, wow factor, right? There are it other looks things like a that, generator. You can, that you can line a roof with. It, it absolutely is. This is, this is what would have been uh, an anode where you have the cathedrals or cathodes to distribute the energy out to the people. And there are some churches in Iowa 
some cathedrals that would be a catholic uh, a catholic church precisely so these things all tie <laughs> in you know um phonetically and it, and it's just absolutely crazy and if you look at the the um Iowa State Capitol you'll see these um they look like gazebos almost on the top and uh on the tops of all the domes and from what i've learned to learned online and just kind of come to understand there was a, a technology that was removed from buildings like this and in those cylinders at the tops of those domes would have been uh the vortex uh generator or uh, the vortex collector bells? whatever you would call it um now they they lean more to saying bells and there may be bells in there now but i don't think there are to be honest with you but this is where that uh you'd almost call it like a it would look like a spinning thing in a lighthouse and, and i think lighthouses essentially were also types of drawdown generators um so there would be some kind of device inside of the top spire of this uh, Capitol building that would assist with the drawdown of electrical energy. And um, so that's been taken away from us where you see the windows at the very top uh, underneath, of course, the cross, it looks like a cross, but it's just an antenna and there's a ball beneath it. And you'll see an area space that's absolutely empty. There's no bells in there at this current point in time. And also the ones on the other four domes are, uh, enclosed so you can't see what's going on in there at all um but all that aside I, I spent a whole heck of a lot of time like just eyeballing these buildings and all of the city center capitals around and things like that and um yeah definitely definitely tartarian architecture there's there's no way to date that to even if you dated that to the 1920s saying it was put up then mm-hmm. but they, they're talking 17 i think 98 and there's just absolutely no way. There's zero pictures of it being erected. There's <laughs> pictures of it uh, having mud roads going to and from it. Um, so it's it's kind of wild. And yeah, it's it's definitely interesting to see that firsthand. And from what I understand, uh, there are several buildings like this when you get into the uh, the New England side of things, especially. Um, you're going to find a lot of this type of work. And it's it's all going to be written off as one of maybe two or three architects, and um, mm-hmm. and and so you're, you're just going to see a lack of real information of survey information. For example, we all know when you're getting zoning for things, right? You're you've got to have it surveyed and blueprinted, and so on and so forth. And none of this stuff is done with any of these buildings. All they have are drawings after the fact. <laughs> and while they are immaculate inside, they cannot explain why the ceiling structure, the way that it is, allows for airflow through the building the way it does, unless they look at other buildings that they have torn down. And they have done this. They have done this in American architecture um, logs. If you go online, you can see where they have basically, in the demolition of old Tartarian buildings, broken down some of the some of the pillars even appear as if they are cast marble whether that makes sense or not it really didn't to me but cast marble or cast ceramic and they'll have iron or copper rods inlaid into the pillars whoa Mm -hmm. so so this is just showing you know uh, some of the 
the signs of, for example, the coral castle in Florida, where he softened, he apparently had the method that they used to build the pyramids to make this coral castle mm-hmm. where he did yeah. it all by himself on a weekend, yeah. you know, and yeah. lifted up all these rocks and softened all this and molded that. So it's kind of leaning him more towards, wow, there's a lot more to this. And so that's a huge can of worms when it comes to the Tartarian architecture um, and the kind of wondering, well, okay, are the pyramids that old or did they maybe just deconstruct a lot of them, use some of the parts elsewhere? Or There was a lot of moving around of things going on in the early 1900s, a lot of mm. destruction, a lot of movement of antiqu- antiquities. And, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if some of them aren't uh, stashed up there in that uh, in that cave up there in, in the was it in Iceland where they've apparently been storing all the gold for thousands of years, which is why the earth tipped, right? So, <laughs> so you know. Oh, Lemminkainen? Yeah. So it kind of <laughs> makes you wonder, you know, if, if uh, some of these people weren't trying to balance out the uh, tilt of the world by throwing gold on top of every single building they could, or if it had a bigger, you know, a bigger mm-hmm. picture, uh, real world kind of uh, application, yeah. like electrical or some kind of a, uh, energy generation how, how does how does a flat earth tilt just saying that that's um, a wild one that's why i'm kind of <laughs> I, i'm kind of on uh, you know on the sense that that perhaps there's a toroidal nature and and while we are told to envision it as encompassing the outside of a globe if you take yeah. that globe and turn it into a toroidal a- toroidal aspect and take time size and shape out of the equation a torus could very well be interpreted by our abilities as a sphere. I suppose we. I haven't been to the North Pole to see if there's any, you know, uh, toroidal vortex in or out, and I haven't been to the South Pole to see the same thing either. So uh, the aurora borealis kind of screams it, man, and so does the so does Plasma. the projection of the moon in the sky, right? <laughs> Uh, I don't know about the projection of the moon. <laughs> that one's that one's something else to get into. That's a fun <laughs> one to look into, man. I'm not a hundred percent on that one either, but there's some uh, information out there that talks about the uh, the moon just being a uh, an X-ray projection of the yeah, continents yeah. of the Earth onto a focal point in the sky. So. So it's a fun picture. I'll have to grab a few of these up and send them up to you. Oh, I see. And yeah, uh, I see what that you're saying. Yeah, it, it's pretty wild stuff. So I mean, pretty much any theory you'd like, there's there's information out there to back it up. So it's okay. just kind of us weeding through it, and look forward to spending another uh, couple hours weeding through some of this stuff with you another time. It's been wonderful. Yeah, Absolutely for sure, wonderful. man. Yeah, excellent. Uh, do you have any place where the people can find you? I just have an email address at current. Um, you'll be hearing more of me here. So just if you want to keep tuning into to your pod and just kind of keep an eye on Excellent. some of the other things that we've got going in our, our fringe world here, uh, you'll be seeing more yeah. of me and I'm working on getting Excellent. something set up so I can at least have, uh, you know, at a minimum, I'll probably have a Patreon going here in the next few months just to, to have kind of a home base and, and kind of start establishing some ideas I just have to uh, decide whether I want to go with that or something like just being a, a guest speaker for a bit. I'm kind of enjoying this. It gives me an opportunity yeah. to get acclimated in my uh, in my space here out at the farm and uh, well, also I, with, I, with work I, going on. So that's that's kind of nice. A little bit outside of uh, 
the clutches of reality, as it were. So, I would say if you decide to start a podcast, you already got a name, Ghost of Tartaria. That that Brando. sounds awesome, man. I'm I'm going to have to do that. What cause... you could do on the show, besides just talking about Tartaria, is find some guests that could come on and shine some actual, maybe scientific light on some uh, yeah, of these I'd ideas. I'd like to get Ari on and get his thoughts on a few things. Um, you know, that mm-hmm. is so well put together and there's so much information there to really dive into. Um, yeah. A couple other ones would be uh, just kind of, I mean, I've, I've got the, uh, the brains and info to be able to talk to a vast majority of the guys I'm sure that you've already talked to. And then some, I mean, we're all kind of yeah. on the same page of fringe <laughs> and, and, you know, chaos yeah. of reality that, Anytime um, I can have the conversation, it's stuff. Yes. Yeah.